I, I think the the best way of maybe framing this call might be, um, you know, we'll kind of give like a brief rundown, kind of run over the real estate industry, you know, overall. I, I think the biggest challenge of any real estate protocol is, you know, a lot of DeFi guys, a lot of people in general just aren't too familiar with real estate. You know, for 99% of people, the, the most exposure they get to real estate is buying one home, you know, or maybe a couple of homes in their life. So um, I, I think maybe putting in some more context on the real estate industry first and then kind of kind of going from there. But a quick, I guess, 30-second rundown on me, um, you know, I started in the real estate industry in 2015, and I've been absolutely enthused by the space. Um, you know, about $100 million in, in residential sales now. It, it's been something that's been an absolute passion of mine, always been extremely entrepreneurial. And, you know, the looking into the crypto space, I've been kind of waiting around for quite a while to kind of see a larger-scale real estate protocol launch. Um, so far, it's been a lot of securities offerings from firms. You know, you don't really see too much kind of innovation going on in the space. Um, but I, I do think recently now, you know, with the, you, you might have heard of City Dow and some other kind of protocols launching in the space, it, you're starting to slowly see the rumblings of, you know, real estate and DeFi kind of merging together, which is rather interesting. So I, I do think this real estate space will be quite rather large. Um, I, I obviously, the goal here is to position Thea Petra in a way that we could be as optimized and bring in also as many professionals from the space that we possibly can. But um, I, I think the best way to maybe frame this, and, and Barb, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe maybe we should just kind of do a quick couple minute rundown on real estate itself as far as maybe where the market is, and then maybe from there kind of bridge it into Thea Petra and, and you know, the design decisions behind Thea Petra. Absolutely, and, and that ties into the Medium article dropped yesterday is 2008, huge microcosm of what's wrong with real estate and, and what's happening and, and of course it's compounded so i would like listeners to kind of get a rundown of where are you coming from like what's the compelling reason for theopatra what's the what's the head-on issue being tackled and 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 that of course starts with real yeah estate. No, absolutely so um if you've been kind of you know penetrate if you've been kind of paying attention to real estate trends especially in the last you know 15 years or so um, Redfin was kind of the last bigger innovation in the real estate space. Uh, for the people that are not familiar, you know, Redfin is a real estate search engine, and they started off a, a rather kind of pioneering thing where they started sharing commissions. Um, it was rather controversial at the time where, you know, Redfin would give you 25% of the commission base, you know, if you bought a home. And, and back then, that was something crazy, right? Um, Speeding up forward, you know, obviously 2008 happened. Speeding it up a little bit forward, you know, you're starting to see iBuyers. And for people that are not familiar with iBuyers, you know, you're looking at Open Door. Zillow just had a fiasco there as well where um, they were essentially buying properties in cash and kind of doing like quick flips on them. The issue there is it's a fantastic product if you're selling and you want convenience. The only issue is it's very centralized and there's only one party kind of winning. So bridging into where crypto is kind of leading now and bridging into where crypto kind of gives capabilities is I, I think as we kind of you know run into the web 3.0 world is you'll start kind of seeing more de diversified ownership across uh, thousands of people instead of one centralized party which I think was going to start reducing risk quite a bit um, so in 2020 is actually when I start uh, decided to actually start kind of going in on actually building and the first initial goal of the Petra kind of like we mentioned six months ago was you know, how do we just build a massive real estate fund where we can kind of diversify the risk across 
thousands of people instead of just one party because you know we, we've, we've seen in 2008 when there's just one party um, kind of doing the majority decision making and a majority of um, you know pretty much the failure point right it a lot of things can kind of go wrong right so I do think the future of real estate and web 3.0 is going to be actually kind of diversifying risk on a larger scale so in 2020 uh, my first kind of thought process was how do you build a token and actually just back it by land um, you know it's, it's backed by hard assets and on top of that you're kind of diversifying risk across various portfolios instead of one entity um, there was quite a bit of challenges uh, with with you know essentially raising money you have to, you have to buy enough real estate real estate's a massive markets um, how do you get people you know intrigued by three percent interest and I pretty much come to the design decision that you simply can't you simply cannot you know tokenize real estate and put it on chain in the traditional sense and think that's going to work um, that will absolutely not work I, I don't think there's culture for that you know kind of coming from the space kind of knowing the culture that it is I think simply tokenizing real estate will not work um, so Thea Petra from the pretty much from the get-go uh, we had to solve the whole ownership problem you know so Essentially, what is you have to kind of figure you know figure out what is home ownership, and in a in a complete nutshell, um, you know there's two main components to home ownership itself. You have to figure out, you know, what do homeowners want, and number one, that's going to be they essentially want a fixed payment. They don't want to be you know have any fluctuating APYs, etc. And number two is I don't want to be screwed, right? So after kind of defining what home ownership actually is, more kind of more of like a broad state, more kind of broad nutshell. Then from there is where we actually started uh, developing Thea Petra from the from the nutshell of, you know, now now that you kind of know what the broad market wants in home ownership, how do you actually recreate that in an artificial sense to where they still get all of the benefits that any homeowner essentially would without the same amount of risk and actually make it in a safer sense as well. So that was kind of the defining moment of when I was, you know, when I first hopped into the space. Um, especially in the Bowtie Jungle, you know, it's about six months ago. I've been a part of crypto for about three years now. Um, and that was kind of the design underneath the Petra as a whole, is how do you actually redefine ownership um, as on a much broader spectrum instead of what currently kind of exists today in the market. Awesome. Thanks, Anon. The million dollar question that, at least speak for myself, but, and we even see this inside in Discord as, as VIP members come in and so on, is trying to figure out how all the different moving pieces work and, and that we're building this piece by piece. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. At high level, I think when, when someone says the company Tesla, people who don't understand Tesla think it's an electric car company. When I'm sure a lot of people here know it's a software company or distributed energy company. Well, Theopatra on the surface is real estate, but high level it's, it's an arbitrage. It's, it's a, a making money or producing profit and returning those savings to users and homeowners and so on by bridging the lower interest rates in the fiat world and the higher interest rates and opportunities on chain. Uh, that, that arbitrage between traditional real estate and finance and Web 3.0. And Ram would be, uh, if you're listening here, Ram, love you to jump in and kind of introduce yourself and, and break it down into this flagship self-repaying mortgage we've all been promoting. 
Yeah, hey, so this is uh, this is Ram here. Um, I agree with everything said there. Um, so as we kind of talk about this product, I think the initial thing is everyone's thinking about what's my worst case scenario. We, we've tried to address this in a few different ways. Um, the way we've kind of broken this down is, you know, people are like, Theo Petra is on the title of my home. That bothers me. What happens if something happens at Theo Petra? And we've thought through these situations, and in that case, the buyer would then just assume the loan of Theo, uh, which in this case is actually a win because Theo has more equity than the buyer at that point in time. Um, and then conversely, uh, Barb just mentioned the, <clears throat> the arbitrage between the two rates. And so then, okay, what happens if that arbitrage goes the other way? Well, what happens if DeFi rates fall below traditional rates? One, probably not happening anytime soon given um, all of the, the gatekeeping and everything in place. But should that happen, again, the buyer's in a better spot than a traditional mortgage because we can then pivot our business model. Okay, if DeFi rates are lower, guess what? We can borrow at those lower DeFi rates and pass those along to the borrower. So th these are some of the, the main points that, that we want to convey here that we're, we're looking for a safer product. Um, we, we have the buyer's interest at heart um, and we're really just looking to take advantage of the two different markets going, going on right now in those two rates. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think the easiest way to actually frame the Petra itself is um, the first common sense question is where do you get the money to buy the homes, right? So um, as an actual design decision of Fiat Petra, you, you, have a, you have a few ways of actually designing the protocol, right? So number one, you can make a stable coin play. Um, I'm personally not a huge fan of, you know, stable coins. The only winner in a stable coin play is the, the, the company that essentially made it. Uh, number two, you can do yield farming. Um, I'm not a big fan of yield farming either. It, it just kind of promotes somebody coming in you know, arbitraging out everything else and, and just kind of dumping on everybody else, right? It, it's essentially a numbers game with wealth. And the number three is the Olympus Protocol POL model. Um, I highly recommend looking up the POL model. It is a phenomenal way to actually bootstrap a treasury. And it's actually also a phenomenal way to encourage community participation and um, kind of longevity as well, right? So um, the POL model, I do think, facing other market segments is going to be used in a broad kind of spectrum. So you already see Klima using it in a way of kind of facing carbon-backed credits. Uh, they're using real-world assets to carbon-backed credits. We're going to be operating very similar to Klima, except it's going to be facing real estate, right? So the first and foremost question is, you know, to build such a large treasury, you have to have a deep community. So you might have seen already on Twitter, um, there's quite a bit of marketing, there's quite a bit of community building already being you know done we've been only marketing for about six weeks now um, and we've been building this very very heavily because you need to default into the community very heavily in order to tackle real estate on any meaningful scale um, if there is no community you, you simply cannot scale the POL model uh, but however you know and full disclaimer we are not competing against Olympus by any means I have no intention to compete against them um, they are trying to be a decentralized assets and kind of like a reserve currency for DeFi I think they've already won that race. Um, I think it's foolish to compete against them, and I, I think we'll actually be synergistically kind of partnering with them um, in ways that, you know, 
is mutually beneficial. Uh, they're simply too big to, to tackle real estate. They're simply too big to uh, tackle these regulatory hurdles, right? So with that being said, the PO model is our choice of option as far as actually bootstrapping the treasury to actually buy real estate itself. Um, and this, you know, very, very initially, uh, when we launch in Q2, you know, we're targeting 32,000 members. When we launch in Q2, our bread and butter acquisition, meaning what are we actually going to back our treasury by, uh, is going to be 100% commercial real estate, uh, specifically apartment homes, right? So we're only buying apartment homes. Uh, it's much safer. It's a lot less speculation than, a, you know, a residential home in a neighborhood or, or anything like that as well. So primarily A and B class properties only. Uh, we have people much smarter than me actually doing the underwriting. So it is, it is by no means done in an echo chamber. Um, on top of that, we're onboarding over 3,000 real estate professionals. So ideally in a public forum, if there's any mistakes being found here um, regarding underwriting, I really hope that somebody can call us out on our shit and we can correct it immediately. That's, that's kind of the benefit of a more open source platform is you're not running in an echo chamber, right? So our bread and butter, what's going to actually back our treasury is primarily A, a and B class real estate, specifically multifamily. However, we are doing five to seven mortgages next year as a small case study. Ideally, it's going to be only a volunteer basis only. Um, you know, we're only doing five to seven of them. We only, we, we kind of want to see how they operate in the real world. Um, ideally, it's going to be just offered to our inside members. Um, you know, maybe we'll find out a way to actually guarantee their loan or whatnot as well. But it's going to be purely on a volunteer basis only. We're not spreading this to the public by any means. Um, so five to seven, we want to A, prove that our mortgage product is safer than what's currently in the market, and B, that it profits higher. Right. Um, without A and B, we're likely wasting our times. It's it's likely going to be a big waste of time, and we need to scrap the mortgage product. At that point, only five. There's only five homeowners. Not that big of a deal. Uh, we'll sell it. They make some money. We make some money. It is what it is. Right. And, and the worst case scenario is they maybe got a discounted rental. Um, however, where it gets fairly interesting is should we prove our model is safer, um, which right now it shows that. It likely is. Obviously, we need to prove it. it. And it's not just proving it for a six-month period. It's likely going to take time. Um, I think that's where real estate and Web 3.0 gets justified as a more serious product, uh, especially within real estate, right? So that's kind of how we're in a, in a very kind of five-minute nutshell as far as how we're bootstrapping our treasury um, and what the self-repaying mortgage actually is. So um, as far as the actual NFT itself, you know, a quick kind of two-minute rundown there. Um, let's say, for example, next year we're only doing five to seven mortgages, which is the case, about five to seven. The way you jump to the front of the line uh, to actually claim this mortgage product is by burning your NFT. You, you essentially lock it, and it's going to be the highest bidder, whoever stakes the most NFTs, jumps to the front of the line, right? Um, once, once they actually buy their home, we actually burn off their NFTs, and then, you know, we kind of do it. Pretty much, pretty much like a test trial on them and kind of see how that works, right? So that's our form of actually bootstrapping the protocol is this NFT race. Um, I would really, I'm really trying to avoid it even hitting the public, to be honest with you. There's a lot of uh, misguidance. There's a lot of kind of uh, misinformation. Uh, there's a lot of excitement, but I think misguided excitement on what the NFT product actually is. It's more of a fast pass instead of you get to just repay your home out of magic out of thin air. That is 100% not the case. Um, we're, we're simply giving you a fast pass to test out this kind of mortgage product. 
Um, but like I said, our bread and butter is A-class real estate, B-class real estate, possibly C if the, the, gigabain, the, the gigabrains allow us to do so um, and if it's safe enough. But, you know, primarily A and B. And, you know, like I said, we're, we're slowly unraveling this thing. Um, you know, class real estate, possibly C. Thanks, Anon. And high level, Theo Patra is multidisciplinary approach. So, Anon takes the NFT launch, which there's many any hey, NFT no, launches. There's oh, that? The background is actually echoing. Oh, whoops. No worries. My bad. Yep. A little better? Cool. NFT launches, you're buying a hash mask, you're buying an ape, you're buying whatever. What utility is that giving you? And, and there's possible applications in the future, but here, Theopatra is launching NFT that you can kind of put a dollar value on. So if you're buying a, 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 a rip for a couple hundred bucks and you're looking at a mortgage with Theo that might save you $500 a month for many years to come, what's the value of getting first in line to being uh, selected or approved for a mortgage, for example? Um, interesting use case that hasn't actually been Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so kind of the game theory on the NFT itself is, is rather interesting just because, uh, like I said, if, if you stake up one, one NFT and somebody stakes two, they're going to jump to the front of your line, right? Um, however, we have to be real here. A lot of the normal people in society, they're likely not even going to know what an NFT is. So we're actually also giving them optionality. Let's say, for example, we have 300 people waiting for a wait list for this mortgage product. Um, the way they can actually bid as well is they can actually, you know, bid in U.S. dollars. We'll give them a centralized kind of, uh, you know, simple, you know, very plain run-of-the-mill betting system they can use in U.S. dollars. Um, should they win, they're going to pay at the close of escrow, and we will simply send that to the NFT staker. In exchange, they can actually um, essentially buy off your NFT off you, and it'll be burned right there, right? So um, that's kind of a more interesting kind of use case on NFT itself. But I guess, you know, kind of doing a deeper dive on the mortgage product first, first and foremost, um, what it really is, is it grants the ability for Thea Petra to actually own the home uh, while the homeowner actually lives inside of the home. So I'll kind of give you an example. Thea Petra actually buys the home in cash. So we give the ability to the homeowner first and foremost to actually buy the home as a cash offer, which immediately kind of gives you some benefits, right? Like we can't quantify how much money you're potentially saving? Did you did you potentially win the offer with somebody else because you're essentially offering cash? Um, but that's kind of the the first kind of benefit, kind of doing so there too. Before they even get approved, uh, we are using standard FHA underwriting guidelines. For the people that are not familiar, there are guidelines, and you know, and Ram's going to be probably much better at explaining this than me. So excuse my my ignorance here. Uh, but the actual underwriting guidelines are going to be very similar to what you kind of see with any sort of lending product out there. Uh, it has to meet certain debt-to-income requirements. It has to meet, um, you know, how much money do you have on reserve, um, you know, your income requirements, your pretty much, you know, how long have you been at your job. Um, it has to meet all those certain requirements before you can even get the loan itself. So uh, once you get approved, we can you can buy your home essentially as a cash offer. You simply move in, and the home ownership rights are exactly the same as any homeowner. You can sell at any time. You can rent. You can... You can actually renovate it, you can move out, um, you can, you know, do whatever you want to do, right? Um, the biggest difference here is Theo Petra is the homeowner the entire time. 
in the actual agreement itself, you are signing with a 99-year lease. And lease is actually a pretty bad term. It, it actually doesn't do it justice. Um, it's like calling Bitcoin a internet coin, right, or, or internet money or whatever. Um, Via Petra's agreement is a lease on steroids. It, it essentially gives you all of the homeownership rights that you could possibly imagine. Um, you know, and the, and the beauty here is that we can actually bend it in any way that we want and kind of work it into the homeowner's favor, right? So they're essentially getting all the upside of homeownership um, with the same kind of strict lending protocol that you kind of see today. Um, their biggest trade-off, because Thea Petra is the homeowner, uh, their biggest trade-off is they, number one, are not in the home title, and number two, they don't get any tax benefits. However, I do think I'm under, uh, I'm under the camp now where if you, want, if you want the government to actually give you permission to actually own your home, or if you want the government to actually give you permission on um, home title, et cetera, this, this product likely isn't for you, right? However, if you want the actual upside of what we can possibly give you with, you know, the flexibility in our end, you know, 2% down payments, uh, self-repaying mortgage, uh, instant kind of, you know, purchase as a cash offer, there's obviously a trade-off, right? So Via Petra Mortgage itself might not be for everyone, However, I do think in more of a millennial age and people want more instant benefits, um, I do think there is a camp where they're willing to exchange uh, some, you know, obviously the tax benefits in order for immediate uh, benefits on, on that end. So that's kind of the trade-off on the product. I get a ton of questions like this sounds good to be true, too good to be true. What are they giving up? The main thing they're actually giving up is, like I said, the quote-unquote title by the government and the actual tax benefits as well. Right. Um, however, in exchange, they're signing it on the legal document that Thea Petra cannot sell the protocol or cannot sell the home underneath them. Uh, it's also going to be embedded into our ethos and into our code as well. Um, and that's kind of the nutshell, I guess, of how the home ownership structure will actually work. And, and that was a big part of why I did disappear for quite a while. It's, as you can imagine, the legal hurdle of reconstructing home ownership um, on a legal document and agreement is fairly lengthy, you know, it's fairly challenging. So that was kind of the biggest play there. And I, I think as we kind of go into Web 3.0, you know, as Bitcoin kind of made us question what is money, I think we need to start questioning what is home ownership. And my thesis is, number one, I don't want to be screwed with. And number two, I want a fixed payment without any fluctuations, right? So, um, and, and something to build equity in and something that I can appreciate while I just live here with my family. Um, I think that is kind of the core kind of nutshell as far as what we're trying to offer without diving too deep into the weeds. Uh, th thanks for that, that update there, Anand. Uh, one quick question. I'll, I'll start things off from something I saw today. So you, you may be asking yourself, you read the Medium article, you saw that it said the owner needs no cryptocurrency knowledge, and yet here we are talking to you about NFTs and our self-repaying mortgage product. So the NFT is only going to be in the beginning, call it until we're able to scale to a more mass audience. The NFT is going to be a fast pass during that time where the demand for our product is more than the supply we're able to offer. After we're able to scale, call it several years from now, and we can offer the product to anyone who wants it, at that point, you would not need an NFT any longer. Uh, so I wanted to clarify that before we get started. Yes, yeah. Hey, uh, two things as well, if I could interject. This is Kronos, by the way. 
Um, I've talked before on this, but uh, for the NFT, when Ana was talking about it, it's not actually gonna, you're not actually gonna burn your NFT. So if you buy it, don't just like burn it immediately. We're, you're basically gonna stake it through us in a way. And we'll have a system for tabulating that later. And then, um, yeah, that was my only point. I just want to clarify that to make sure no one, you know, burns away thousands of dollars potentially. So yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, we will have a locking feature, and it, it will burn upon uh, redemption of your mortgage. It's you just don't don't start burning your NFTs randomly. Yes. Ram, I think uh, I think we actually got a question from or comment from Longstream. Longstreet. Uh, yeah. Everyone, thank you. Long Street, Long Street. So, I literally just closed on my first house. My wife and I just did, and uh, so we have congratulations. Fresh. Thank you very much. Yeah, fresh in California. It's just absurd. Um, um, so, but we're, we we made it all work. And you know what we had to do? We had to do a, a cash offer through another company that, like, they offer they do the cash offer on your behalf, and then you refinance. And you know they they take their piece. So this concept that you guys are bringing to the table, uh, I think has a lot of benefits. Um, so that, that is a big thing. Um, one thing that we ran up against is literally people in the underwriting process who didn't know what Bitcoin was. And we were trying to tell people like, if you count our, our Bitcoin holdings, <laughs> you're not going to have any problem approving us for this loan. Um, so my question is, you know, on that side of things, on the official side of things, um, I imagine you guys would be, like, first and foremost aware of who is going to be most open to people and, and their crypto hold, holdings and Bitcoin holdings, because that would obviously help with the debt-to-income ratio and, and being pre-approved uh, for loans. That is a great question. Great points. Uh, so again, congrats on the house. Thank um, you. And <laughs> appreciate you calling out the, the cash offer thing because I think some people don't appreciate how valuable that can be in actually acquiring your home. Yeah, it literally, we literally would not have been able to get this place um, because we were outbid. You know, you can't get emotionally attached to a home, but of course we did. Like on four, we lost them and then we realized we had to go this route. Um, anyway, so continue. Sure. So, so we we definitely talked about uh, this topic. So, so I think this brings up a good point and shows some of the flexibility that we're going to have. So, since you as the buyer would only be interacting with Theopetra, and then Theopetra would be getting its own loan from the bank, they the bank is only going to be concerned about Theopetra's financials and whether or not we can pay it and our assets. So, we have some flexibility with the buyer, and obviously. You know, we're familiar with crypto and we and its value and everything like that. Um, so we will definitely be taking that into account. We have talked about uh, Chainlink has a service where they can actually validate um, the value of your crypto in your wallet and that it is yours. Uh, so that's something we've considered uh, to actually be able to validate that uh, you have that balance and that is your wallet. Um, but. Things like that are, are definitely in the mix and will be uh, taken into consideration. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think things like that in the future is going to be how real estate will just be done, period. You know, forcing holders to 
you know, liquidate and then pay taxes on top of that is absolutely brutal. Um, so I, I think that goes, you know, without saying that, I think at some point, I think that will be integrated in uh, without question. I think just initially, um, you know, we, we just need to stay as safe as possible, kind of prove out the proof of concept, and then from there kind of unwind over time. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Street. Uh, great point. It, and I'm not sure if we're jumping ahead here yet, but I would like to dive into the Theopatra token, the utility, and of course the you know, potential tax benefits, uh, depreciation tax benefits for, for holders. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, we, we, we definitely spend quite a bit of time kind of talking about the, the self-repaying mortgage, but uh, because of our backing by real estate and because Thea Petra actually is owning all of this real estate as well, so you can imagine that every single time we buy a property, Thea Petra is technically on the title. Um, it's going to be under our legal entity, RECT. And then from there, uh, we're simply being, our, our biggest benefit here is that because we are collateralizing and actually lending this money back out on chain, I want to actually recycle all those benefits back into the Thea Petra ecosystem. So yes, we could deposit it into something like Aave, uh, but I, what I think is a lot more powerful and why we're actually so picky as far as the engineering that we're, that we're kind of going to be doing is we actually want to build, a, build into the actual protocol itself, the lending and borrowing infrastructure. So. Uh, you can imagine that similar to all, all other PLL models, you know, Olympus Clean, et cetera, the main difference with ours is since we're bringing the bank's money back out on chain, um, we're going to have it embedded into the protocol itself that you can actually just borrow against your asset without ever wrapping it and sending it off to other, you know, whatever. You can just borrow against it right in-house, uh, which I think is going to save you gas fees. It's going to save you, it's, it's more convenient. And more importantly, it's going to actually recycle the value back into the Thea Petra ecosystem. So this should theoretically help us reduce selling pressure. I, obviously, I legally can't say anything. You know, there's no guarantees on anything, of course. But this is going to actually help us recycle quite a bit more benefits inside the, you know, inside the Thea Petra ecosystem itself. So um, that's kind of the biggest benefit of actually recycling the bank's money back out on chain. And then number two, kind of like what you mentioned, is since we own the real estate, um, we, we are the ones actually collecting the tax benefits. So there's going to be tax professionals. We just onboarded Naga. There's, you know, we were working with outside uh, tax professionals as well. What I would love to do is I would love to actually just have Theo Petra become the first tax depreciating asset in DeFi. Um, so the way it would work is if you stake Theo Petra, you can also anonymously get in touch with our CPA team and they can actually onboard you onto our tax appreciation LLC. Um, you, you would be anonymous to the public, but of course you would be doxxed to the, to the CPA team. And from there, they can actually onboard you on, and now you can actually wipe out and actually you know, deduct your taxable crypto gains using the collateral and using the real estate itself, uh, which is rather interesting, right? So um, I, I also don't want to be naive and, and think that everybody in crypto pays taxes. I, I don't think that's the case at all, obviously. However, I, I do think, you know, as this ecosystem grows to potentially millions and billions of people, um, this, you know, having a tax appreciating asset in DeFi is rather interesting, especially as more DAOs become more prominent and they buy more real assets, um, especially as institutions come on board. Um, you know, something around something like tax time, it'll be interesting kind of seeing if people are hopping into the token last minute to take advantage of taxes. So, you know, you might start seeing some extra, you know, some different kind of price volatility just because of 
the benefits that it might have, right? So um, right now, that, that of course, all is pending legal. Um, our worst case scenario, if we can't pass that on to token, you know, token holders will sell that as tax credits to, um, you know, whichever buyer, whichever kind of legal entity wants tax credits on, on that entity. But I would love to just, you know, diversify that and, and spread that across DeFi. Um, I, I think that would be rather fascinating. Absolutely. Thanks, Anon. I, I think we got a question from, comment from Lola B. Government, Blockchain Association. Looks like Hi. a big stacks. Bitcoin Bull, how's it going? Hey, Lola. good, good. How are you Thanks doing? Thanks for joining. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm glad you guys. I, I've been seeing. I've I've been seeing your tweets out, and um, was curious to see what was going on. Um, so I actually have. I think this is all a very. This is a very interesting idea. You have to excuse my cat. He's sitting right next to me. Um, I. Um, so my first question. So my background. I'm actually in lending. I'm a. I'm a commercial lender, and you know, back. I have a background. A lot of financial services background, um, consumer and commercial. So, and, um, so my first question for you, and I like Anon, because I can tell you, you all are really excited about this, and I think it's all a really cool idea. So I, I just want to take a couple steps back. What is, so, because you've talked about a couple different things as far as acquiring commercial like um, like apartment, you said uh, you know class A, B, and C apartment buildings, and then also doing residential, like I'm assuming single family homes, um, as well. So it, first, what's your? You said you wanted to do the apartment homes at first, but what about? And then you're talking about the self-repaying mortgage. What are you going to do first? And I'm trying because I'm I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to understand this, and I'd like to kind of get a kind of lay it out and see what the, what your plan is because you've been talking about a, a few different things. Yeah, absolutely. So pretty much our bread and butter is going to be A and B class multifamily residential real estate. Um, you know, our, our bread and butter is going to be, you know, I would say units north of 20 plus. Uh, it has to meet our population requirements. It, it's going to be, um, you know, no fixer uppers. It has to be after a certain age build. Um, so, you know, in a, in a nutshell, it's going to be primarily A and B class multifamily real estate. That's kind of the bread and butter of the Petra itself. However, the biggest challenge with multifamily real estate is that it's tough to get deals. You know, you, you, right. a lot of these deals don't happen on the market. Um, so it, it's tough to actually keep acquiring real estate at a sustained pace. So to fill that gap, we'll test out the self-repaying mortgage because it's a lot easier to just have buyers go out and find their own home. That's a held a lot more scalable, right? So, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of test that model out, but that'll be our way of actually squeezing in more acquisitions, um, ideally in a, in a safer way as well. But uh, I would say in a nutshell, our bread and butter is what we're targeting okay. is A and B class real estate. My first question for you is this. What do you mean by your bread and butter? How is that, how is the A and B, the class A, B real estate going to butter your bread? Yes, yes. So, you know, Traditionally, with commercial real estate, it's going to be a lot safer than a you know one-off kind of residential home in, in a suburb. Um, as counterintuitive as it seems, you know, actually owning a larger building is actually magnitude safer than owning you know, for example, ten rental properties that are single-family homes. So, um, the reason we're we're choosing multifamily commercial real estate is just purely the safety. Um, it, it's a lot more stable. The financing is a little bit easier to get as well. Um, so that's going to be the main kind of design choices, you know, why actually multifamily. All right. 
So what you're saying is, is that you all have two things going on here. In addition to the self-repaying mortgage with, with individuals, you as an entity, if you, you create an entity, you're going, or entities, go out and purchase a multifamily building. So that's a separate project. Which is, a, you know, which, that's, that's something that you guys are doing, or is that something that you want community, like funding from the community to participate in? Yeah, so we would actually use our treasury. So with the standard P-Will model, um, you know, as you kind of build up the actual treasury itself, you have to figure out what are you going to actually place your treasury into. Um, in a very standard process, a lot of them just keep it inside of stable coins themselves. Uh, like I said, we're going to simply place it into actual commercial real estate properties. So we do have... But where are you getting the money? Where's the money coming from? Oh, yes, from the PLO model, from the community. Okay. All right. Yes, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with the, the OHM uh, no. token? Okay. No, I'm not. You know, that, that might be a good place to start. Okay. Well, uh, protocols um, work. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So the the standard P will model. I, I would highly recommend uh, looking up Olympus Dow and Cleveland Dow as well. Not here. Okay. You hear me now? Okay. So at, at a high level, um, some of the DeFi DeFi 2.0 protocols that have come out in the last few months, uh, OHM and Climo being uh, two of the biggest. There, there's okay. a few other a few other forks out there, and what they look to do is they own the liquidity from their token and their treasury is backed by stable coins and they they offer holders of their token um, pretty high APYs uh, to stake their tokens. So our main business model is basically similar to both of those. So OHM just holds stable coins. Rather than holding stable coins, we would hold multifamily real estate, which unlike stable as a cash flow. So then Climate came out and they do something similar to OHM, but they look to buy uh, carbon credits on the market. Mm -hmm. And that is what they hold in their treasury. So you can think of in one main way, we're similar to those two protocols, but we're looking to hold real real estate asset in our, in our treasury, which um, there aren't many people looking, looking to bridge real assets into the crypto world, so, so that's one thing that's pretty novel. Um, and then kind of separate from that, almost think a different division within the same you know, overall uh, body is then the self-repaying mortgage is kind of its own thing within that. Uh, but, it, but it all kind of helps create the ecosystem, as Anon mentioned, um, and add value to the overall protocol. All right, so then, uh, just to, so then when you're talking about a self-repaying mortgage, um, how does that, so you're saying then, let's say an individual is looking for a house, let's say you're, um, anyone, whoever, how does that work? What are you planning, how are you planning to do this? Sure, so in a lot of ways, from the buyer's perspective, it's going to look very similar to the current market. They're going to get a real estate agent, uh, they're going to get pre-approved uh, through Theo Petro, that's going to use very standard um, underwriting guidelines for the most part. Um, except we're going to mm -hmm. have some things that um, are in favor of the buyer versus the current system, such as 2% down payment. Uh, there will not be mortgage insurance on the product. Um, we're going to give them a, the cash up front, uh, so it will be an all-cash offer. 
they're going to acquire the property of their choice. And then Theo Petra is going to turn around with one of our banking partners, and we are going to take a mortgage with 30% down. So Theo Petra is going to have 28% of the cost of the house at risk on day one. But we then are both the 2% initially put down by the borrower and now the 70% given from the bank. And we are going to lend that out in the uh, collateralized lending market um, through DeFi. The, okay, so the mortgage that you're getting from the lender, you're going to lend that out. Wait a minute, but how can you, so you're going to lend that out, but what about paying for the property? So the, the borrower is paying a, a standard mortgage. So they, we, we consider them the owner. So we are on the title, but we are giving them the benefits of home ownership. We, we don't, view, we don't right. view this property as a property Fiat Petro owns. This is the buyer owning it and we're offering them a self-repaying mortgage product. Okay, but still, to purchase the product, you're going to, to purchase the house, you need, you know, you have to pay for it, and then if you're going to, so you want to, you're purchasing a home off the market, you know, whether it's a primary market, like, or if you're doing an, in, you know, like a, an off, like an, a, a, not, a, 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 a deal that's not listed, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a, my background's not real estate as far as, like, real estate transactions, but, um, um, so, but you're, okay, so you've got to, so that somebody wants a house, you've got basically, you need money to buy the house, but then also to invest, invest out, right? Yes, yes, so I, I guess in a, in a kind of simplified manner, you know, you, you can imagine that there's two amortization cap tables kind of going on, so, uh, for the people that are not familiar, uh, amortization just kind of tracks your principal interest. So as you can imagine, since they gave us 2% down and Thea Petra, when we buy the house in all cash, we own 100% of equity, they gave us 2% down. We actually do a refinance with the bank um, at a 70% loan to value, meaning we pulled back out 70% of the home's value. So we have 30% equity in the house. The owner, the homeowner how, how you- actually has two. I guess I'm not understanding how this is, you know, it's, I mean, and I'm, 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 not, I'm not skeptical. I'm trying to understand sure. your thought process here because you've got, you've got someone, you need to buy a house. You're going to offer that they can do it for 2% down. All right, let's just, I'm just going to keep it simple. Let's just say a, you know, a, I'm just going to keep it simple, a $100,000 house. So they're going to give you $2,000 to purchase the house. It's going to cost the, you know, a hundred plus the closing costs. So let's say 107,000 to purchase the house. So you're getting 2,000 from the buyers so and you need uh, you need you need 105,000. So the 105,000 is coming from the bank that your lender, right? So but the 105,000 you got is going to go the, the 5,000 is going to go to closing costs. The 100,000 is going to go to the seller side. And then as far as all right, so the hundred thousand goes to the, the the five thousand goes to the closing costs. So then you're still like net two thousand dollars of equity that you've gotten from the borrower. So at that point, I guess I don't understand what the you know I'm not, I'm trying to understand like where's the yes where's yes the I, I think I, I think I see your 
I yeah. think I see your confusion there. So um, keep in mind, we are, you know, instead of keeping our treasury backed by stable coins, uh, we are simply deploying that into real estate. So the $100,000 is coming from Theo Petra. And when the homeowner actually buys the home, like I said, they, they, they will actually have a standard home buying process. So in the standard home buying process for a home buyer, you pay your own closing costs, you will pay you know, your own kind of loan closing fees, your own inspections, your own appraisals. Uh, so this is actually at no cost of Theo Petra. Theo Petra right. does not pay any closing costs. And so from there, you can imagine that we just put in $100,000 into this house as a acquisition. Theo Petra's on title. The home buyer just gave us 2%. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to the bank and say, hey, we want a loan against this. Um, we want 70% equity back out of it. Um, so we're taking 70% of our money back out. And because now we, we have 30% equity in the building and the homeowner only has two. Wait, um, but, but, but you don't because the lender has 70% equity in the building. If you take out, okay, so that's assuming that you, the, lend, the borrower gives you 2000 they pay for all your closing costs, it's 100000 so basically 98 so you need 98 from the bank to close the loan. A lender's not going to give you 70% of the value of a home. Okay, I, I think I have... I think I have identified the issue here. So I think it comes back to the, the protocol and liquidity and understanding the, the crypto side of things. So you have to assume that we're, we're already starting off with cash in our treasury. But where's so, the, okay, do you have the cash right now? We do not currently, because we haven't where, launched. And where, do you, where are you going to get the cash? And do you want to talk about yeah. the economics? Yeah, so the, the standard payroll model, it is being backed by stablecoins. So when you actually have a community that participates in, in the standard payroll model, uh, if you look at quite a bit of the kind of OHM forks, you know, quite OHM as well, um, a lot of these treasuries, a lot of these DAOs are building, you know, six, seven, eight-figure treasuries um, just from community participation. It's, it's actually, I don't want to say common and standard, but you see with quite a bit of communities. Um, a big reason to hedge on this, because obviously we need capital to deploy against real estate, is why we're kind of marketing so heavily is we want to ensure that we do have a sustained kind of force coming in and actually sustaining the treasury as well, right? So um, you do need to have a deep community, absolutely, for any kind of POL model. Um, you have to have a sustainable community for the long term, you know, not, not just one year, not just five years, but 10 plus years. And what we tell all of our VIP members is, if you're investing here, this is not a, you know, if you're only, if you're only here for six months, this is probably not the protocol for you. Um, however, you know, if you're apt to kind of participate in the community and also apt to kind of participate for the long term, this protocol might be interesting to you. So uh, the money is coming from the community as far as just a part of tokenomics. Um, the main difference between us and other protocols in a very, you know, kind of simple way is, we are not using stable coins. We are using real estate to actually back our treasury. So I think that might be where your confusion is maybe coming from. You're kind of confused on where's that initial set of money coming from. It's definitely coming from community participation, um, which, which once again is definitely why we're kind of building more of a deep community. Um, you know, I, I think we might be one of the more deeper communities that we're kind of building out. And it's definitely part of our roadmap is to ensure that we can have the deepest community to have sustainable buying pressure um, across the board on that end too. So it's the community's money that you're using to purchase the house? In a nutshell, yes. And, and, and we won't have 100% of our treasury backed by real estate. We do need to have stable coins on hand for liquidity. Um, but by no means will it be like 
everybody's money is just completely gone into real estate. That that's just illiquid and that won't work. So um, I would highly actually recommend looking up Klima Dow K L I M A. Um, they're doing the same identical model, except they're facing carbon-backed credits. I, I think that might be where some of the confusion um, might be coming from. So I would actually look, recommend looking up Klima, K-L-I-M-A. Awesome. Th thanks, Lola. And uh, I'm going to move on to, uh, we've got a couple of people been waiting uh, to ask questions on. Lola, feel free to jump back in. You're, you're still a speaker. Uh, Saifu Wellman, Wellerman, uh, I think you got a question comment there. GM, GM, I appreciate y'all hopping in and giving us the time to just kind of like pick it apart. I think Lola definitely helps kind of, um, you know, kind of break open that conversation and just kind of like how, um, you know, the loan will actually operate from the back end, not just from like the buyer and how we're rewarded. I think that's kind of the most important. Can y'all hear me? I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Um, I, I guess for, as, as far as on back end, what, what do you exactly mean by back end? I, I love kind of uh, kind of clarification. I guess on back. Yeah, I, I think I, what I was kind of implying was like you know just asking kind of questions on how y'all's treasury will operate. I think most people, you know, similar to like Lola's situation where they don't understand like ohm or they haven't really looked into these like complex tokenomic structures, and they're just wondering like how the heck it's going to get off the ground. Um, for me, like, I'm, I'm really familiar with OM. I'm actually, like, a huge fan of, like, that protocol and just kind of, like, what it um, kind of not just stands for, but what it brings to the table in regards to, like, what other people can see they're doing and take it into their own. Um, I guess my only real question was just kind of in regards to um, the actual OM residuals that get kind of, like, sent back to the homeowner every single month on this mortgage. So what I'm, what I'm gathering from the, the white paper is that Essentially, I'd pay, you know, 1400 a month, and then I would receive roughly like 40% of that back in Theo's coin, um, similar to kind of like how OM provides, you know, a, a separate form of that um, to their holders staking. Um, so I guess just from a, you know, I guess more clarity on, you know, is it going to be the same amount of Theo coin returned to the holder every single month, or is it going to fluctuate based on APYs? Um, Y'all said you wanted it to be like a you know a solidified fixed payment a month, but I guess if you're looking at it from a perspective of hey I'm spending fourteen hundred a month on a mortgage and then some months I'm getting seven hundred dollars worth of Theo back versus like six hundred Theo back depending on you know and I guess that's a USD pairing at that point not just like the amount of Theo tokens so. Um, I guess just to shed light on the tokenomic structure, do y'all have a, an idea at this current point um, if it's going to be like a set fixed amount of Theo and that price may fluctuate, or is it going to be like a set amount of USD of Theo and so the Theo coin may fluctuate? Yeah, that's that's definitely a great question. Um, so you, you can imagine that if we're borrowing from the bank at, let's say, 4%, 4.5%, and we're lending it back into the protocol at you know, six, seven percent. Uh, we are making that 2.5 percent arbitrage. I think the ultimate use case from a consumer's point of view is obviously they're paying their mortgage payment from their side is purely in U.S. dollars, um, and then from there, you know, we would make the arbitrage on our end. And if they opt in to just they want just purely U.S. dollars back, maybe we keep 50 percent of the profits, and you know, maybe the homeowner gets 50 percent as well, right? Like we can actually fluctuate that depending on. Um, treasury management, depending on risk, depending on market volatility, et cetera. Um, if they actually opt in and they're just like, hey, I love your guys' cash offer program, whatever I get on top of 
you know, this standard kind of mortgage payment. If you guys want to give me Theo, we'll actually prioritize them. So we will be fairly limited in capacity on how many loans we can do. So for example, if we have 10 loans and 100 applicants, and you know, sorry, I mean, yeah, 10 loans and 100 applicants, if they're opting in and they say, hey, I just want my arbitrage or my rebates back in Theo, we'll for sure prioritize them. So it will be on a priority basis. And if you want Theo back at all, um, you know, I would say that if they if they purely opt into just purely the USD form, we're going to split the profits with them. So it won't be 100% of the rebates. However, if they want to split it in like locked Theo, um, maybe we could lock it for five or 10 years, then it keeps all of the value back in Theo and we're totally up to that, right? So that is a lot more optimized and we'll kind of give them an optionality on that end. And a couple of points to add from my side. Uh, we are underwriting these borrowers for the full payment, assuming that they're not getting any rebate from the arbitrage that we talked about. So they would fully be able to afford that payment without the rebate. And then when we do provide a rebate, as Anon mentioned, while we'll prioritize people willing to take the rebate in Theo, we, we will also let them uh, choose dollars if that is what they want. Because we, we are trying to look out for the, the middle class borrower and not every middle class borrower even knows what, uh, what crypto is. So we have to keep that in mind as well. So is the rebate not guaranteed like on the first month, like your first monthly payment? Is that rebate not begin right there? It's kind of like, you know, dependent on certain situations or... So, so a couple of things. So right now we have the rebate starting um, with a month lag, uh, but then from there, what, one of the things that why we do think we can keep this stable is, a, as you know, if you're familiar with you know OHM and some of the, some of these other DeFi protocols, right. being able to earn six percent would be some of the lowest rates on chain. So, for instance, I can you know park. USDC and make 12 or 13% right now. So um, 6% is very conservative in that context. So if we can kind of undercut some of these other DeFi rates, we should have plenty of ability to, to lend at that 6% rate. Um, so we, we plan on kind of sticking it there, you know, in that 6 to 7% context. Um, and, but we, we will kind of factor in supply and demand uh, there as well. Like if if our rates are just extraordinarily low and we, and we want to raise them up and we want to increase the rebate to the borrower, that could be an option. If we're not getting enough demand at that level and we need to drop it a little bit, then we may need to talk about um, reducing the re rebate slightly if we think it's more than a one-month phenomenon. Um, so it's not set in stone, uh, but we do think we're being pretty conservative in being able to earn something like 6 or 7% in DeFi. Just so, so basically the model that's laid out on the white paper and, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on the project in itself, um, it, but it's just like, you know, you, you try to do those calculations long term, how this is going to eventually play out if you were to go full term 30 years, 15 years, however long it takes. Um, there's going to be fluctuations to that. It's not always going to be that set calculated um, Theo Petro rebate return every single month. There's going to be, you know, potential, you know, you know, gaps and or, you know, less or more. And um, I guess that's um, the most important thing. I feel like, at least for me, you know, I'm on the real estate market. I just sold my home. This looks like a realistic option for me. Um, I'm just like, you know, at least from like an optics perspective, 
I'm fine taking the risk. I'm not really too worried about, you know, not getting any rebates some months. I know other people who are like, you know, fielding FHA versus this. Um, I feel like they, they maybe would not, you know, initially gravitate towards the concept of getting cryptocurrency rebates if it's going to fluctuate and if it's not necessarily guaranteed. Not that you guys can, but um, the overall, you know, I'm bullish. The own protocol is pretty, pretty much lays it out on how you can stabilize the, the value of the Theo token backed by real assets. And um, that's kind of the move in the future. So, you know, y'all are basically going into untracked waters. So I'm down to go there. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. One quick comment there, like you mentioned the risk. And what I would say to that is the downside risk is that you don't receive a rebate, which makes your loan then look very similar to an FHA loan. In fact, exactly, you're still probably in a better situation because we... You know, in the white paper, we put three and a half percent for the initial bond FHA and put three and a half percent down, which is the lowest you can put down and ask what your rate is going to be. If your credit score isn't like 850, it's not going to be anywhere near three and a half percent. So it, you're already better off from a bunch of different perspectives. The cash offer, uh, the two percent down, the lower rate. So. I understand what you're saying with risk. But no, it's no, like, 100%. Yeah, the, the risk is also, you know, it, it looks more like a standard loan, so. It's more or less like the selling point, not like the risk itself, but like the risk yeah. of someone who doesn't understand own protocols or Web3 or the future. Ah, I hear you, and then that's that's also why um, we, do, we will offer rebates in USD. So you could have no idea what OM is, but... Theo token is, anything like that, and just receive your rebate USD. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll simply prioritize if you choose the Theo option, but uh, it's going to be purely in USD. Uh, your payments are in USD, you know, you're rebating USD, and then your worst case scenario, and what we're actually underwriting them for, is that you just make the standard mortgage product or standard mortgage payment um, as if you just got a standard mortgage, right? So your, your kind of worst case scenario as far as from a payment perspective is, um, you're just making a standard mortgage payment that's just kind of out on the market today. Uh, likely even cheaper, you know, slightly less expensive. Thank you. That is all I have. Hey, guys, this is Patrick. Can I ask a few questions? Absolutely. So a couple of things, and I'll, I'll caveat up front. I haven't read the white paper yet, but excited to. I'm probably going to dig in that tonight or tomorrow. But... Just trying to understand um, a few of the mechanics, and I think I've picked up most of them. So when you're clearly treating yourself as the mortgage lender in this, correct? Like, albeit with a rebate. Yeah, so, you know, on paper, the the way we're structuring this is you are technically a leaseholder. Um, and this is a take, uh, this is actually a payment program. Um, you know, okay. and, and kind of on paper, I guess you could say that we're, if, when you're actually signing it, this is not a mortgage per se as well. Um, we're, we're classifying it under the actual payment program. So, you know, one of the biggest things here are definitely going to be marketing terms kind of going to the future and especially more importantly, what's on the actual paper itself um, on, on that. Yeah. Aspect. So, you know, definitely legal is one of our biggest things. Oh, yeah, you're good. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's definitely something to consider because, you know, with all of these crypto and token topics, tax or otherwise, it's funny, we have to kind of look to what is already in the wild and what things look and feel like, right? And so that's a critical distinction as far as, you know, kind of what we're thinking about here. 
from a legal and a tax perspective is is the person a homeowner with a mortgage or are they a renter with with a lease and i i guess that kind of answers my next question so what i was going to get at next is where does the depreciation come in on the real estate that you're holding because if you were a mortgage lender at that point you'd have no real real estate holding or depreciation but you're saying you're actually you actually have title to the home and the person paying the we'll just call the mortgage for now is actually a tenant of yours is that kind of the look and feel yeah so you know kind of like what i was saying earlier is well I, I think ten i think tenant is kind of a you know kind of an inaccurate type of phrase but i, I guess from a legal perspective it's absolutely tenant uh okay. they're, they're definitely not standing they're not signing like a standard lease it would be you know uh, kind of like a lease that kind of gives them a exorbitant amount of kind of benefits on that end as far as appreciation sharing and stuff like that too um but yeah. as far as the actual tax benefit absolutely the, the, the biggest benefit here is uh, that Thea Petra is the owner and that Thea Petra now has the tax benefits to the home itself, which is, um, you know, kind of would give our token holders kind of some more benefits on that end. Got it, got it. Okay, so when you say your name is on the title to you, you literally mean you're taking title of the home. But how, and I guess that's just another thing to think through is the buyer's capacity on the title, but that, that helps you out. So then when you mentioned that your liquidity is, or your treasury is mainly made up of real estate with some stable coins, the real estate in your treasury then are these homes. It's not some other real estate you're going out and buying and investing in. It's literally the homes on, on these primary deals that you're talking about. Is that correct? Or is there kind of multiple classes of real estate that you'll hold? Yeah, so we'll definitely prioritize A and B class multifamily commercial real estate. That's kind of our biggest priority. Um, however, if we're ever in a crunch and we need some more deal flow and some, some more acquisitions, um, you know, essentially tapping into the real estate market and letting home buyers just do their thing and kind of search for homes, it's a really good way to actually um, decentralize the home hunting process without employees or overhead or anything like that. Um, so they're, they're essentially acting as almost acquisition agents in a way to where they're just buying their home that they want, but it's kind of giving us the benefits of the actual exposure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like a flash sale leaseback or something, so that's interesting. Um, Cool. I think I think that's all I've got for now. I'm gonna read the white paper and definitely reconnect with you guys because I, I like the project and want to dig into it more. But um, and then I'll hang around for tax questions if anybody has any. Yeah, I know. That'd be great. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks. I think we got a couple people waiting. Uh, Firefly, MDA, and Crypto yeah. Buckeye. Uh, Buckeye, apologies. I'm biased. I'm a Hoosier fan. <laughs> and uh, hey, but uh, I'll be perfect. That's fine. I'll get to uh, Firefly. I think you've been waiting. For a hot minute. Issue there. Go touch Firefly. Nope. Nothing. Yeah, this is nope. This cool NDA. What's up? I can jump in. Hey, so, uh, uh, interesting project. Uh, just ha had a few questions. So, a lot of the conversation that we've been having is, is, has kind of been focused on the the individual residential stuff. Uh, but from what I'm understanding, that's not the main focus, or at least for the next year, because you're only going to do a handful of those, which are about, about five, correct? Correct, yeah. Next, okay. next year, five to seven, uh, Ram is going to pretty much decide that. <laughs> uh, all right, and, and so and what I think I'm hearing is, I'm a, and I'm a real estate guy, kind of understand the, the simple side, but also some of the investment side. It sounds like it's being framed up as like a lease option. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but it's kind of a, you know, releasing it, but they can, their payments are going toward the actual principal of the house to have some uh, ownerships, I mean, rights to ownership, but not all of them. 
Um, am I following or tracking from that type of statement? Yeah, that's that's actually exactly um, pretty much what it is. The, the main difference between us and like a rent-to-own type of model is um, if they actually end up selling the property, they, they essentially have the power to sell at any time, is they can kind of gain, you know, kind of gain that upside. Um, the, the, the flaw with kind of current lease-to-own options is you're, you're kind of limited to you can only do that unless you actually take the title from the government. Um, and sometimes there's altercations between the tenant and the owner. There's just kind of a lot of, um, and it's hard to kind of coordinate those two parties, you know. So it's, it's very, very similar. That, that's actually a great, great way to kind of look at it as well. It, it's fairly similar to that, actually. Awesome. Yeah, certain states you can do it. Certain states, you, certain states will just let you outright do it. Some states you've got to have your paperwork very, very, you know, spot on um, in order for, like we were saying, some of those issues not to come up. So, um, all right, so then I kind of want to focus the conversation in on the AV uh, commercial grade properties that you're talking about because we're spending a lot of time on the sounds like five or seven homes. But when we're talking about the commercial grade, um, how many projects are you looking to do? And also, are you funding these projects or are you actually going in as the purchaser, the, meaning you're going to be doing the acquisition and this is going to be the community's project that you're going to hold in your treasure? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm glad somebody's finally uh, asking a question about the, the majority of the treasury, yes. Um, but, yeah, in all, in all seriousness, it's, it's definitely going to be primarily the A and B, uh, stri strictly in California for now. Um, but as far as actual acquisitions, it's really going to depend on what our treasury is. You know, so, for example, if we had a $5 million treasury, that looks a lot different as far as acquisitions compared to, you know, something much larger than that. So, um, there, you know, our worst case scenario is we're going to just sit in the U.S. dollar and stable coins until there's a quality kind of acquisition being made, you know, on, on that end of it. So um, it, it, I, I hate the answer that it depends, but it, it truly does just from a treasury kind of risk management standpoint. Um, it, it really depends on how much involvement do we have from the community and, and where where's our treasury at. Okay. So, so then if we don't know, it's kind of a moving target. Um, it is going to be acquisition of an AB uh, property. You know, how many doors? It depends. I think I heard 20, which sounds about right, but in California it could be very expensive. But um, regardless, if it's going to be the acquisition of the treasury, um, how's that decision going to be made? Who's going to be vetting it? And um, who's going to be doing the typical setup for this type of purchase, which is typically in like an LLC or a general partner, limited partner, um, and wrapping in some sort of third-party maintenance provider of uh, the servicing of the property, like how is that going to be set up? Yeah, so as far as actual acquisition side of it as well is, you know, the, the beauty here is that we can actually kind of build that out with the actual community itself. My, my, pro my proposal to the community is that the most talented people should make those decisions. Um, so we're, we have quite a few underwriters actually on board um, on, on Thea Petra as well. Um, you know, they're going to be more than qualified as far as making the actual call. And then from there, we actually will have a third set of appraisers, legal counsel, and engineers that will also double and triple check that the criteria we are setting up front does actually correlate with the, with the asset itself. So um, our goal is to kind of provide as much transparency as we humanely can to the point where it's almost obsessive. Uh, but from there, I mean, I, 
as far as the actual design choices and the actual decision choices, um, that's going to be actually up to the DAB, up to the governments. Um, you know, they're not going to decide on actual properties themselves. They're simply going to decide on the actual talent uh, that is going to be making that. So I'll have some actual proposals to the community of saying, hey, I, I think this person is more than good enough. This is their background. Maybe we need them to dox themselves, whatever the case is. But from there, uh, those are going to be the people actually making the sound actual decisions that also gets verified by a third-party um, double set of, you know, legal counsel, appraisers, and engineers as well. So it's kind of like a double verification. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. And la last question, not the fun one, but talking about risk involved. Um, commercial real estate, as, let me change that. Residential real estate comes with tons of headaches sometimes. Um, I've seen, you know, lawsuits for you know the conditions within the the units uh from i don't know mice i've seen you know insects um uh, all, all the way to you know a fire um how is the community or how is the treasury going to be positioned to uh protect the community from the risks that are involved outside of your standard default um if you don't mind yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, to be honest, I think my biggest concern is making sure that the project doesn't get hacked and the actual kind of software side of it, you know, on, on that end of it. Um, real estate itself, if we were just purely using U.S. dollars um, and we were all just kind of pulling in the actual U.S. dollar itself, then I'd be a ton more kind of concerned on the kind of management side. I, I see the number one risk is actually the assets uh, either collapsing or you know, some sort of hack or something like that. And then as far as if anything does go wrong in the real estate properties themselves, um, we'll absolutely have legal counsel on board with a certain set of instructions on how to exactly execute that as well. But, you know, since we're, since these kind of homeowners are not, not technically just your standard tenants, uh, from a game theory perspective, they should be behaving a hell of a lot better uh, than a standard tenant who just gave you 200 bucks and you checked one month of, you know, bank statements, right? So um, th these people that we're kind of putting into these homes should be your good kind of run-of-the-mill kind of homeowners that we're kind of placing in with, with all the proper uh, classifications and underwriting. Okay. All right. But it won't, it won't always be that way. Hey, Firefly. You're back. Firefly's about to reach out. <laughs> Someone Firefly, do you have a question, comment? NBA, thank you. Thanks for jumping in. Firefly? No? Uh, Buckeye? Oh, yeah. I don't know. They reached out to you earlier, but I think you were in stuffed away. It's just big tease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm, I was born a tease, by the way. <laughs> no, I, I love everything that's going on. And I think his question is like, you know, man, I... I see how it's going in my neighborhood and what's going to be different about you being the landlord, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a great question. Um, you know, and with us being kind of the first mover in this space, I, I think, you know, now that the community is actually becoming the landlord, I think it's going to become really interesting because we get to decide how fast the eviction process is going to go because, this is a technically lease on paper, so the standard foreclosure takes you, you know, 150 days. We can move ours as fast as 30 to 45 days, at least here in California, right? So um, there's a lot of 
things there that the community kind of acts as a collective landlord, which is rather interesting. Um, you know, we can make it as democratic or as, you know, as tight as we want. Uh, we can kind of decide on governance and, and kind of decide how we want to manage them. I mean, there's, there's going to be a very interesting kind of set of decisions, and that's why we've been so diligent in requiring the call, because we want to make sure there's sound uh, governance on, on board as well. On, on, on that end of it too, but no, absolutely. That I think that's definitely a question to answer. Will, will a protocol be better than BlackRock? I I don't know. Um, I, I I don't know. But I I would assume that you know everybody here is coming from a standpoint that you know we we've all you know we all see what's going on. You know, housing prices are going up. You know, rental prices are going up. Um, you know, my my generation, millennial generation, is getting crushed. Um, the currency is kind of expanding, so it'll be an interesting kind of take on on home ownership. Absolutely, and I hope that protocols will not turn into the landlords and the nonsense that we see going on today. Um, you know, raising rents five percent year over year and, and all this nonsense. Um, you know, I, I think the massive benefit here is we're we're kind of spreading out the benefits of home ownership on a larger scale, uh, but at the same time, it's it's a little bit more democratic versus what's going on today. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Theopetra is a perfect solution by any means, but it's definitely a, you know, an interesting take compared to what's going on today. So um, it's 100% an experiment. You know, there's, there's definitely no guarantees, 100%. Cool. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Firefly. I think we got Mr. Ohio State, if you're still here. Yeah, what's going on? So, going? um... So yeah, hey guys, super super excited about the project. I've been in real real estate for about nine years on the residential lending side. So I guess that's kind of where my, my head just kind of automatically gravitates towards. So my question, and, and Anon, I, I know I kind of uh, DM'd you this question, but it, it it's still bugging me. So, you know, up front, the buyer's putting down the 2%. We're taking out that 30% loan. So essentially, you know, we've got... 28% uh, down payment or, or, you know, whatnot into the house. What's stopping that, that buyer from turning around month two or three and then selling that home and then essentially just walking away with that, uh, like, additional equity that, that we helped them put down? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's actually a great question. So since we are the actual owner of the property, uh, the money actually just goes straight back to us, right? Like, they're, they're actually running on a different... Um, amortization table um, than, than us, right? Like ours is the actual official one on paper and the minute the property gets liquidated, we get our difference. And then from there, we pay out the difference to them and they get kind of the appreciation on top if that, that makes any sense. So should they actually sell that? Um, we get to keep our equity and then we're actually diversifying and getting them um, the actual difference on that end of it. That's actually super simple. So they get their 2% back plus, you know, whatever principal they paid down on with, with their payments? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and we view them as the homeowner. So if they did any renovations along the way, you know, they, you know we're, we're not viewing them as a tenant. They own the home. So if, if they add a wing onto the house and they buy the home for 500000 and sell it two months later for 600000 we get paid back our amount and they get paid back the they're two percent down plus the hundred thousand in equity. That, that's way simpler than I was thinking. So, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, guys. Absolutely. Medium, medium. Hey, 
Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Buckeye. I think we got Sponge. Yeah, Sponge. You've been looking, lurking over here. Hey, how you doing? Um, so I just have a couple follow-up questions from the conversation a little while ago. Um, I wanted to know what thought has been given to risk modeling, especially in the early stages of doing this kind of lending, uh, because the volatility in possible outcomes, especially at a smaller scale, the way you're starting, for example, like I said, just in California, is going to be a lot higher than, for example, you know, once the project theoretically becomes mature and is spread across multiple assets. Um, in fact, like you know, default would be the least of your concerns because that's relatively easy to model. But I mean, you know, just the risk that you could possibly—I mean, is it just managing with insurance, or is there some kind of tolerance that is built into the protocol? Um, you know, because my, my concern is that you know you have a few accidents happen, or for example, you know, regulation of the SEC for stable coins limiting your yields, or at the same time maybe the Fed decides to employ a more contractionary monetary policy, raises interest rates like 13% the way they did in the 70s, or you know any one of the million things could happen simultaneously. And then those two are actually you know, on the way right now. Right, so there's, I mean, let me just like give you an opportunity to answer. But like, how are you modeling risk, especially without those scenarios on the table? Yeah, so I mean, as far as from risk management, um, do you have any kind of specific, I guess, areas in a specific sense that that, that you would kind of see as um, the biggest point to kind of tackle? I guess in this kind of conversation, is it? Would you say that it's the the stablecoin yield? Would you say that it's SEC regulation? I guess what is your kind of biggest point of uh, I mean, risk? Well, I mean, there's a lot of them. I, to be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure how to evaluate all of this appropriately myself, right? So, like, to me, all this stuff is almost like, you know, I hesitate to say black swan events. It's just because like, I, I can see them coming. But uh, I don't know what the impact is going to be. But if I'm going into this space, that's one of the things that I'm looking out for, right? I just want to know if, if there's, because uh, like you mentioned, there are you know, protocols built in, for example, for transparency, right? I assume, you know, some of that covers things like conflict of interest, like that's one issue you guys have managed. That's great. Okay. But um, you know, where did you figure out, for example, that you, know, you need to put down, say, 30% of the house? Or, I, I don't know, the, the amount of insurance policy you can take out against it? Is there some sort of, what's the process by which you'd come to that kind of decision? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I guess I could tackle the actual SEC question as far as the, the, the regulatory side of it, and then I can maybe let Rand tackle the question on what happens if Theo just flat out fails on, on that end of it. So from the SEC regulation standpoint, I mean, I've done absolutely everything I possibly could to this point as far as decentralization, even to the point of actually forming the Theo Petra itself. Um, anybody can actually go back to the Thea Petra tweets and see that it was purely on an invite-only basis and purely done randomly by people hopping in. So Ram, for example, just threw it hat, his hat in and, you know, he just kind of happened to stumble across Thea Petra's kind of post. So just like everybody else here has as well. So from the point of origin, um, Thea Petra's been completely decentralized. I mean, I'm, I'm in it, of course, but um, everybody that's in here right now or in Thea Petra is purely by chance and actually engaging with our tweets online. So that could be actually proved with the IP addresses, et cetera. And then as far as from the SEC regulation standpoint, I mean, the, the benefit we're doing here to society as far as society as a whole, um, you know, the minute we buy a commercial property, we are 
we don't have to increase rents to be sustainable. Um, we, we, of course, will adjust over time. Maybe every three to four years, we'll adjust for inflation taxes. But it won't be the standard business model of what BlackRock and these other you know, larger businesses are doing, where they have to raise 5% year over year or whatever you know, targets they're hitting to hit their quarterly bonuses. Right? Uh, we're simply kind of arbitraging out the difference. So, you know, I don't know what the odds of Fiat Petro getting shut down are, and you know, it's it's a fairly kind of binary answer. You know, is is Fiat Petro going to be shut down? It's kind of a yes or no question, and that's definitely why our logo is also black and white. That's actually why I chose black and white. It's actually a binary question. So, um, with us being such a triple net positive for society, you know, where you know every time we buy a building, the middle class has more money to buy. You know. Into the, into the local economy, um, you know, the government doesn't have to raise taxes for rent control or pass out stimulus checks um, to other tenants, you know, deal holders win. It's kind of a triple net win. The only big loser here are the kind of larger funds in the areas that we're buying in. Um, so I really don't know the chances of getting Thea Petra shut down. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of hard to say. Um, but I do know that, you know, right now it's probably a better time to ever kind of build in space and you know it's 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 kind of worth it being a first mover. So um, from an SEC regulation standpoint, I just truly we just don't know, right? Um, but as far as from a uh, failure standpoint, like let's say if the Petra the acid just gets wiped, I'll kind of let Rand kind of handle that question because I, I would say those two I would say those two things are probably the kind of worst case scenarios on that evidence. Sure. Yeah. So uh, for, first to your to your down payment question, like why thirty percent? Um, we. From the bank's perspective, this is going to look like we're an investor buying an investment property. So there's a little more risk involved with investment properties from the bank's perspective. So putting down 30% versus 20% will help lower that risk and hopefully uh, get us an even better rate. Uh, we're also being a little conservative on the rate that we're assuming right now. Uh, so we're going to have to work with our banking partners to, to see where those end numbers uh, kind of shake out. Uh, from their perspective. Um, in terms of if Theo Petra fails, um, you know, like Anon just pointed out, that you know, that is a possibility from like a regulation standpoint or something else. But from the buyer perspective, they don't need to be concerned about that risk because um, I, I can let Anon maybe talk in, in more detail, but uh, from the legal side, um, they would then be able to step in to Theo Petra's loan versus the bank, as opposed to their loan versus Theo Petra. And in every case, Theo Petra's monthly payment to the bank is below the buyer's monthly payment to Theo Petra. So if anything, their monthly payment is going down, while at the same time their equity in the property goes up. Because remember, they start off having 2% equity versus Theo Petra's 30% equity. So if Theo Petra fails in month one, they just went from 2% equity to 30% equity and a slightly lower monthly payment, although they wouldn't get any rebate uh, from DeFi. Yeah, and, and as, as far as from a flat out failure point, let's just say the asset just got hacked or it just completely collapsed on itself uh, in the crypto world. Um, that has nothing to do with the actual homeowner itself. They're, they're, they're just paying a stable kind of borrowing rate. Um, so they just keep trucking along as they normally would, right? Just, just as kind of any homeowner would. So, um, and, and actually in that case scenario, if we just got completely wiped, 
um, the crypto kind of assets would assume pretty much all the loss and the homeowner ends up winning and they get plus 28% equity in their home essentially um, as kind of like a goodbye here. It's, it's not the standard banking model that we saw in 2008 where um, the banks got bailed out and the middle class was left kind of holding the bag. Um, if, if Thea Petra loses here, the homeowner is up in equity by a significant margin um, on, on that end of it. So it's, it's almost in favor for Thea Petra to fail um, from a homeowner perspective, which is, which is kind of rather interesting compared to the standard model we see right now. <laughs> Uh, I guess I think maybe I, I misspoke or at least a little bit at the beginning because uh, I don't think I described it properly. So I, I obviously would like to look at the scenario where Theo Petro does not fail, actually, in this case, because ideally we want it to succeed here. But I'm concerned with how you're going to manage the possibility for unexpected expenses or losses in the early stages of the project. Like, for example, what happens if you buy one of those multifamily homes in California and the whole thing just catches fire? Right, like, what wh what's the procedure by which you're allocating assets aside into pools that can be used to cover those expenses? Um, you know, aside from buying insurance policies, or is that the the plan for that? Yeah, so it, it'll definitely be insured. It's going to be actually underwritten, and and the, the challenge of Thea Petra itself, and this is why we want to continue onboarding as many real estate professionals as we humanely can, is because. Um, the underwriting here is not the standard underwriting model as far as from a risk management standpoint, just because you know we're, we have kind of more things to kind of balance in. So um, right now what we have is we're going to be extremely conservative to the point where it's almost obsessive, at least in the very beginning. So a part of the cash flow is taken out for capital expenditures. You know, in the very beginning, our, our treasury management is going to be very, very secure and almost boring to where we're going to keep quite a bit of reserves on hand um, and in a kind of oh, you know, oh, no, kind of big scenario, like you just kind of mentioned, you know, catching a fire, uh, we'll, of course, have insurance doing a blanket coverage as well, you know, on, on that end of it. So I, I think the best way to alleviate this is being ultra-conservative from the beginning to treat it as if we're almost buying, like, a, a stable coin in a way. Um, and then over time, as we scale and get larger, then, of course, we can slowly unwind and maybe buy in other states. Uh, but I, I don't advise on buying in Kansas or Nebraska or, or speculating in any form. I think... I think Thea Petra should only buy in, you know, California, maybe Miami, uh, kind of higher-end properties, and, and most likely newer builds. Um, you know, they're they're boring, but they're they're pretty safe. So, um, I guess the answer to that question is just allocating as much as we possibly can for the worst kind of case scenarios, um, and then of course having our underwriting model public, and with as many real estate professionals that we have in the market, ideally this can be a community consensus that the most talented people kind of advise, but it's kind of based on a community consensus, you know, from there. And also to, to your point on liquidity, liquidity management is going to be key with the protocol. We will have to have uh, quite a, a decent amount of cash on hand, uh, whether it be cash or stable coins, um, as it would obviously not be ideal to have to try and liquidate a multifamily property. Um, so. Uh, we'll definitely have a very strong liquidity position. And then to answer one of your other questions about the Fed and raising rates, I believe that would actually be a positive for the protocol as we would be locking rates at the current market levels uh, in our loan from the bank and, and our rate for the borrower. So today we would be locking in these low rates and then if the Fed were to hike interest rates and inflation were to take off, presumably DeFi rates would go up along with traditional financing rates. So that could actually widen our spread. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Funch. That was always, uh, <laughs> always an interesting uh, contribution, fun contribution. Uh, I think Theopatra, Chronos uh, Theopatra has uh, jumped in here. Theopatra, Chronos. What's up? Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Yes. All right. Uh, what was the question? I just I keep getting disconnected with my phone, but um, if you mind repeating that. Uh, no question. I uh, you reached out to to jump back in, so I wanted to make sure there oh, yeah, was something pressing. Just just making sure everyone gets filtered in here from the main account. So keeping a keeping an eye, uh, watch for and all of those. No pun intended. NDA. Uh, I got you. Oh, actually, can I ask a separate question? Um, so I assume that. Correct me if I'm wrong here, because I wasn't part of the original conversation here. But there's going to be this Theo token that's released. Is that a governance token for the protocol? And if so, does it entitle you to revenues from the protocol? And can you buy this externally? Uh, so as far as the actual token uh, tokenomic structure, I'm personally not a big fan of governance tokens. Um, you know, I, I I think they're inherently flawed. You can actually gain it fairly easily. You can actually just you know buy in a bunch, buy a bunch of them, actually just change up the actual structure of the governance itself. So um, right now our structure is 250 board members and we're going to also have 10,000 VIP members, um, all individuals and uh, kind of picked on a random kind of schedule as well. So I, I'm a big fan of letting people that know what they're doing make the actual decisions. Um, of course, this is up for voting. You know, it's a fairly democratic process, but I think the talented people should be the ones making decisions. And, you know, full disclaimer, I'm not the I'm not in the position to even make the decisions either. It should be people that strictly do um, underwriting, et cetera. And as far as actual revenues, no, you're not guaranteed a revenue from the protocol. We're, we're actually positioning ourselves as an affordable housing project. Um, you know, we're, we're not keeping any profits in-house. And any profits, let's say the building generates an extra profit, uh, we're simply market buying the token and diversing, uh, diversifying that back to either the community or the tenants or whatever as well, right? So we are, we are finding ways to benefit the ecosystem without keeping any profits in-house uh, because we are not a business. But yeah, that definitely, definitely a great question. That is one thing that I think needs to be addressed um, pretty heavily as well. I'll, I have a question then. How do you incentivize the people running the protocol then? If you're, if you're not in a business and you're not keeping profit. So this, this is just going to be a not-for-profit structure entirely? Are you, are you concerned about efficiencies in that case? I mean, how, how does that work on an organizational basis? Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, we can actually incentivize them via the token itself, right? So they can actually hop in and uh, on a volunteer basis only. And, and I think this is kind of one of the beautiful one of, more, one of the more beautiful things about DAOs is um, people just work their regular nine to fives, and even right now, you know, we, we have simple side projects, and people are hopping in, and um, they're they're kind of earning based on whatever they contribute, which is which is rather interesting. So um, I, I do think the future of this type of structure is going to be purely from um, just the tokens being kind of distributed out. Uh, we're we're going to reserve quite a bit in our treasury, and it'll be just purely on people doing work and actually distributing it out that way. Uh, I think I have an analogy for you, Sponge. So, so think about it as rather than paying any gains to the token holders, we'll think about that in terms of dividends on a stock. We're not going to do that, but we will do like essentially stock buybacks. We, we will be buying Theo tokens. So it should th that process could, you know, keep money within the system and potentially um, 
um, provide value to the Theo token. Okay, that, I think that makes sense. So you'd be buying Theo tokens for, from who though? From from uh, people who are token holders right now on the random basis. Like, sorry, can, can maybe I'm missing this part too. Who holds the tokens right now? Yeah. So so as far as actual tokenomics itself. So let's say for example we had some excess profits from the building. Uh, let's just say the building happened to generate an extra profit revenue. Uh, we are simply going to use those U.S. dollars and actually buy back market buy the token itself and lock it up in like a community pool and tenants would have the right to actually claim it. Um, so it's a way of actually recycling the value back into the ecosystem and keeping the token locked up. So it's as efficient as a market buy and burn, um, except it's kind of locking up the token, right? As far as the token holders themselves, it's going to be purely the community basis. Uh, once we launch in May, you know, standard kind of whitelisting procedure and then people are going to hop into the open markets and, and buy it that way as well. I'm a little confused. So I think this is the part where I'm, there's a disconnect. So you said you're market buying the token. From which market? And, and who are you buying it from exactly? Is, is, is this something that's listed? Is this something that you have? The, the, I'm sorry, are the people who are the board members right now, the people who currently own Theo tokens? When this launches, or has it launched, I'm not really sure. Um, who is going to be holding Theo tokens, and how are you going to be buying them from them? Oh, got it, got it. Yeah, no, definitely a great question. Yeah, we haven't launched yet. We are launching in May. Um, you, you were kind of asking about the excess revenues from the buildings themselves. And essentially what we'll do is if there's any excess, we're simply market buying the token back. Uh, let's just say a random building generated excess profits just with the U.S. dollar. Um, we are just going to market buy the Theo token back and lock it up on behalf of the tenants um, with, with any excess profits. So the token holders themselves are not gathering or gaining any kind of revenue from the buildings, if that makes any sense. But we are recycling and actually keeping the value in the ecosystem itself. Are you market buying from an exchange? I, I think that's what Sponge is asking. Is, is yes, exactly. Asking? That's what I'm asking. Oh, yes, yes. It, it will be on a decentralized exchange, absolutely. Okay, there we go. Got it, thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's a decentralized exchange. So, so if it's on a decentralized exchange, I think maybe this is, this is a better version of the question I'm asking. So let's say I don't intend to uh, have a house that is involved in the whole landlord-tenant situation through Theo Petra, but I would like to uh, invest in the protocol. Would it be possible as a form of that investment for me to buy Theo tokens on the decentralized exchange and then hold them uh, and then wait for an event where Theo Petra will say market buy them to uh, and have that increase the value of the token on the exchange. Yeah. So you, yeah, absolutely. You can uh, anybody can actually participate and just kind of hop in and get exposure to the Theo Petra protocol, the, the underlying real estate as well. Um, as far as the real estate actually market buying the token, we're just simply market buying it on open market. So obviously there's some positive kind of price feedback there that might occur. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. You, anybody can participate, anybody can hop in um, and, and gain exposure to, to DeFi. And that's kind of the entire point of Thea Petra itself is we want to spread out, you know, real estate exposure to the DeFi market. Um, you know, right, right now the DeFi market is very correlated. Um, you know, pretty much all the income is only generated by, by the crypto markets. So I, I think having something that's uncorrelated might be rather interesting too. So yeah, absolutely. Anybody can hop in, anybody can participate. Even a sponge from Greece is welcome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. Uh, 
NBA, did you have a uh, question, comment? Jump back in here. Yeah, I, I do want to jump back in and understand a couple of other things. So being that the, the target is commercial real estate, being that we don't know exactly, you know, the target of, a, you know, some specific number of uh, investment properties that would be purchased, um, how does the Apache plan on sustaining the project after launch? Because, uh, because I know that real estate is a slow-moving ship, right? Like, there's a lot of vetting. Um, it's not like like uh, climber where you can buy carbon credits and that those are readily available in the market. You can jump in instantly. Real estate's a little bit different. You have to hunt for properties. You have to hunt for deals. You have to go through a long process. Even after you find one, the deal might, might fall through. You know, you're constantly trying to perfect that, but it does take time. Um, how does the sustainability of uh, the Apache in the first six months, I think, is very vital? Um, what's the plan on making this project grow while you're looking for that first opportunity? Absolutely. That, that's, that's one of the kind of bigger answers we have to solve for. Um, I, I think we actually boiled on crypto. It's, it's purely who can build the best asset and who can build the best community, right? So I do think the biggest hedge on that is how quality of a community can you build and, and, and do they have the expectations set uh, that this is a long-term thing? Because I, I think the biggest uh, issue with real estate ever coming on chain ever is just going to be purely the crypto people, let's face it, they get, they get bored insanely fast. Uh, it's a very short-term minded market in general. So uh, the, the mindset that we kind of instill upon everybody that joins, uh, we encourage them actually not to join if they're, if they're only looking for a quick flip, um, if they're only looking for a quick, you know, quick buck or six months in. Um, this is a very, very long-term play. And I guarantee you, if you're not looking for a longer-term play, um, this is probably not the project for you. Just kind of full, full board transparency, right? So um, I, I think the way we hedge on that is by building a rock-solid community. Um, so you, you, know, you might have seen the, the kind of spike that's kind of going on so far. Um, we are doing what's called a social contract launch. Everybody in the community knows exactly how the Twitter algorithm works. Um, and they're actually all playing on this other Twitter algorithm. And I think once we acknowledge that crypto is purely uh, how quality of an asset can you build and does your community know how to sustain the algorithm over a long time, I think that's where things can get more fun, right, and more interesting. So um, our biggest hedge on, on the patience of crypto in general is setting the right expectations and just having a, a deeper community um, on, on that end of it. Okay. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, good question. Whether I had them all out now, then months from now. Yes. <laughs> forces us to to really think and reflect on uh, as Anna and all of us build this out. Thanks, NBA. Uh, any questions from the audience? Comments? Hey, guys, I just want to ask, um, piggybacking off of Sponge's question, in a comment earlier, so in in I appreciate the answer might be we haven't thought about this or we'll we'll get back to you. But the comment was made earlier: if this were to fail, the homeowners would all be excited because they'd take the twenty eight percent equity interest. Wouldn't that go to the the token holders, or, or would it not? And and is that how the tokens are currently written? Because um, I guess my question is: if this were to fail, you know, it it becomes illiquid whatever goes to a fire sale, that equity would be an asset worth something. Wouldn't that get sold, 
you know, out in a third party market and, you know, kind of cash out the token holders or would that actually go to the homeowners and kind of how would that work? And, and again, maybe this just isn't something that's even contemplated, but I'm curious. Yeah. So, you know, the ideally right now it's going to be completely up to the actual governance of the token holders themselves. Um, in 2008, we actually didn't even have a say, you know, we, we actually look at the events in 2008 when there was a downturn or anything like that as well. Um, the banks just kind of took it upon themselves and we, we kind of saw how that scenario kind of unfolded. So the beauty here is um, we can, if Theopetra did collapse completely and we had, let's just say we have a bunch of assets being kind of managed, um, the beauty of a decentralized kind of voting system on if this scenario did play out is that it could be a lot more humbling um, and, a, and a lot safer than a, you know, closed off boardroom of, of 10 people. It's going to be very public. Um, it's going to be, you know, vote, the votingly public. The, nobody knows who the board members are. Um, so it'll be a very, very public event should that happen. So that should be our safeguard as far as screwing over the homeowners on, on that end of it because it's it's a more decentralized kind of form of, of voting on, on, as, as far as that goes. So it's kind of an interesting take on game theory. Um, what happens when the tables are ever reversed? And, you know, that's that's going to be up to the actual community on, on after we sell. Do we just flat out sell the properties? Do we just let them assume the loan? Um, is there some sort of deal being made? But I think this alternative compared to what happened before is likely, I, I would hope people find it more refreshing, you know, instead of just decisions being kind of made on their behalf. Yeah, you, hold on, could you elaborate on that for a second? Because I'm, I'm a little confused about how the incentive structure would work in that scenario. Right, so like... <clears throat> Correct me. Let me see if I understand this correctly. Um, the the, uh, the idea is that in the event of some kind of need to default, uh, in the event of a total collapse, the public pressure on the limited number of board members would incentivize them to act in a way that is more favorable to the uh, tenants. Is, is that the incentive structure? Yeah, because, you know, our, our voting process is a lot more open and it's a lot more public than what it would be in a closed-off room with just a bunch of executives, right? So our actual voting process is going to be a lot different should that kind of scenario play out. And also vice versa. I mean, we, we could also vote in before you buy a single home, just that by default, if the Apetra collapses uh, and put it into the legal document itself, that the homeowner can immediately assume our loan and gain the 28% gain, right? So we could theoretically do both. Um, you know, we, we could either A, before we actually acquire any homes, let the homeowner gain the full 28% arbitrage without any say from the board members, or B, if we do collapse that, we come to some sort of conclusion with the homeowners. So uh, before we have anybody actually buy into one of these mortgages, we can kind of decide as a community what happens in a worst case scenario, which I, I think hopefully, like I said, it is a little bit more kind of democratic um, on, on that end of the two. Well, I need to understand this for a second. So back up so the homeowners so why would someone who's a board member who in theory has put up equity toward the actual purchase of the home to begin with sacrifice that equity to the tenant in a scenario where they could just as easily vote to return to themselves i mean isn't the the number of board members sufficient to diffuse responsibility across them enough that they could vote in what's seemingly clearly their own interest yeah so you know in in that case scenario you know if we did kind of vote that way i mean it's it's going to be a really really interesting take right because i 
I, I wish I could just give a black and white answer. Um, we could actually just place in, you know, and just have a unanimous vote before there's any acquisitions that there is no say from the board members. The homeowner immediately gets either half or, or you know, the full kind of equity position. Um, so I'm actually leaving that open uh, before we have actually have any mortgages as well. I think that should be a vote by the board members before we have the mortgage product or any kind of acquisitions on that end of it. So nothing is set in stone quite yet. I, we were, I actually wanted to actually have that voting probably about two months before the token actually launching and before we actually have uh, any mortgages kind of out on the market. But um, the beauty here would be that we can actually vote on that ahead of time and it could be very public right like where um, before the homeowner signs they know very clearly this is what, what's going to happen um, you know upon any sort of worst case scenario which I think is like I said I, I hope that's you know as transparent as you could possibly get um, as far as that goes. Right, can I ask a separate question that it's a little bit uh, off from this. How is the opportunity of raising the capital for the initial property purchases to begin with? Is that through the sale of the token? Yes, yes, that's going to be through the sale of the token and the POM app. Okay, so if, if they're raising capital through the sale of the token, that would mean that people holding the token are effectively shareholders, right, in proportion to the amount of tokens you're, you're owning. In which case, why would they agree to give a tenant effectively all of their own investment? I mean, it's not... It's not so much that I'm, I'm concerned about the tenants being, uh, you know, screwed. If anything, it seems like in that scenario, if the tenant were to be paid more than their than the amount that they'd actually built in equity in the home, wouldn't the investor be screwed? The, the actual token holder. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, the token holders are assuming risk. I mean, that that's going to go for pretty much any token project ever, right? Like where, right. you know, if you're, if you're buying a token, you know very well that it could fall. Um, I, I hope that, at least with ours, there's some sort of floor, you know, given some form of kind of equity position. Um, you know, before we actually launch the mortgage product, we can definitely vote in, you know, do we just flat out give them the rights? Or do we just split it half and half? Like what happens in a worst case scenario failure point? And I do think that's very critical before anybody even signs into a mortgage itself. I think it's very critical to come to that conclusion before they even sign and actually move in, you know, so uh, we can definitely leave that up to voting. Uh, we, we could just flat out just put into the protocol immediately that they get the full equity position or, or any combination above as well. But, um, you know, hopefully there's, there's, there's going to be a floor with ours that should be, ideally, you know, ideally a little bit different than a standard token uh, where there is kind of like a floor of value um, kind of back in it to a sense. But if you buy it at a very, very high inflated price, absolutely. J just like any other token, um, you know, you are exposed to risk. Okay, and so also the voting happens in proportion to ownership of the Theo token, or is that some other NFT, for example, that is given to, say, a board member? Uh, what gives someone the right to vote? Yeah, so the, the voting right now, the, the structure that we have right now is the 250 board members chosen at random. Um, if anybody has better governance structures, which is what we're kind of developing within, we, we will absolutely kind of go off that. But as of right now, it's one person equals one vote, which I think is a little bit better than your money equals your vote. Um, but as there's kind of better solutions coming out, we'll definitely kind of implement those, you know, as well. So um, I'm definitely actually open to feedback on, on that end as far as what is the best governance structure and we're actually even having a governance team, so if anybody has input here um, as we build out, I would love to kind of hear your feedback too. Oh, sorry, sorry. So this hasn't been established yet. So, so the, the voting system. So right, right, right now, it's not clear whether or not 
being a board member entitles you to a vote versus whether or not being a Theo token holder entitles you to a vote. So we don't know if the token is a governance token or not yet. Is that accurate? That is completely accurate. Yeah, we're launching in May. We're, we're kind of letting the board members decide if we want to do governance tokens, if we want to do one, one person equals one vote. Um, I'm, I'm personally not a big fan of governance tokens. I, I think they're fairly you know, useless, um, and they're, they're, they're a pretty bad way of doing governance, but it's ultimately going to be up to the community to, to decide. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, and to piggyback off that, too, I mean, I would, you know, I would recommend up front for both the token holders and the tenants, just so they kind of know priority, and this is something we see in the wild, and maybe it's something we're trying to get away from, honestly, but this lean position is, is kind of the term, so, like, usually equity holders have a lower lean position than a debt holder, but in this case, usually equity holders would have a higher lean position than a customer or a tenant. And so just, you know, where we're trying to kind of establish that, I, I'd recommend. The other thing I would recommend considering is, you know, you're asking the question, in a default situation, does that equity just go to the tenant or does it, you know, get sold in the market and back to the token holders? Maybe, you know, kind of in, in between step or something to think about is to give the tenant right of first refusal. So perhaps, you know, the tenant doesn't get the equity for free, but they have a chance first to pay a market value for the equity before it goes to like an open market, something like that. So there's kind of like lots of different things you could play with here that could potentially create a compelling offering for everyone and be a good and fair offering. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, uh, funny enough, me and Ram were actually talking about that too. Like, I, I think if we collapse, you know, if something did happen on, on the Theo side, that the homeowner can actually decide to maybe either assume the loan um, from the bank or, um, you know, potentially buy out Theo's position in, in, in a favorable kind of manner as well. Um, I, I think kind of setting those expectations up front is, is a more compelling kind of way of, of homeownership as well. But I 100% agree with you. And we, we were actually talking about that too. Um, on that end of it. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. I think we got a couple people waiting. Uh, Scott? Scott Calvin? Something like that. Scott, you there? Yeah, you guys actually uh, touched on this already, and it was something I was just briefly, I heard Ram mention when um, I don't mean to dwell on the topic of, you know, potential collapse, but just basically the assumption of the loan if something was to happen. Um, so, when Theo Petra goes out to secure these loans um, for the, you know, homes, um, is that then, you know, assuming that you guys can get loans that are going to be assumable by the tenants, or have you already, you know, confirmed that the loans you, um, you know, go and obtain will be assumable, or is that just an assumption being made, I guess? Yeah, so since we're using the guidelines uh, that's already in, in the market today, they are 100% in a position to assume them, but I, I'll actually default that to RAM. Um, on, on that it, it, that's a, a topic we'll have to discuss uh, with who, whoever our potential banking or lender partners are. Um, I, I think that's that's something that's going to be up for discussion uh, as we kind of work out the, the structure of those loans and, and hope to really partner with a few lenders or banks in particular. Wouldn't, wouldn't they be able to, I guess, just buy off the, the property right away from us? Like if they, um, you know, we, we underwrote them as the FHA loan, wouldn't they be able to just kind of turn and buy the home with a real FHA loan, I guess? Yeah, there, there may be logistics involved in that, so that, that'll just be something we'll have to work out in the, in the nitty gritty as, as we get to that point. 
Perfect. Yeah, no, I just I was curious um, just because uh, I'm in the, the lending space a little bit, and you know, just from experience, not not a lot of the loans are, are assumable. Um, so just just wanted to double check on that. I appreciate the clarification. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, Thanks, I think, Kevin. I think um, Scott. one thing we might need to do is just either have them <clears throat> buy us out or some sort of like, you know, um, kind of not want to say behind the behind the doors kind of assumption way, but um, I likely it would have to be like a purchase just directly from us to them. Um, and they just kind of use a lender of their choice. And, and we, we should have some leverage as we're having these discussions because there's going to be a lot of details of our loans that are going to be extremely favorable versus some someone else who might be looking to buy an investor property. Uh, th these are going to be owner-occupied properties. Um, you know, the, their DTI is going to be very low. Uh, th there's going to be a lot of things that and we won't get into all like, the details uh, from like you know cash flows and MBS side, but there's going to be a lot of things that, that benefit lenders to make us these loans. So, so we should have some leverage to be able to, to kind of push back on some things on our side, and that might be one of them. Well said. Well said. Thanks, Kronos. Uh, Scott, thanks for jumping in. I think we got a few more people. Uh, Annie, if you're there. Looks like you're involved in real estate in some capacity. Annie? No? Uh, Longstreet, you're back. Yeah, thank you everyone. Um, could you talk a little more about the criteria that you'll have when like choosing homes and say someone comes to you with a property, they say, I would love help getting this property would you say like, well, you know, we're looking at this one and it looks like it might not be something that we're interested in helping you with, but you know, our team is, we have our eyes out for a couple other properties and here are some other good options as well. Oh yeah, I, so I, I guess, so we're kind of thinking about this in two different forms, the, the multifamily space in our treasury and then the self-repaying mortgage. Are you referring to the, the self-repaying mortgage side or, or the multifamily side? Um, I guess both. Um, what's your timeline on each of those? So from the, the multifamily side, that's going to be Field Petro. We are finding the properties in which we want to invest in, and Anon can go into more detail there. But then on the, on the self-repaying mortgage side, that's going to be similar to us being a mortgage bank and the the borrower and future buyer is the one going out and finding the property. We have no say in the property. We, we're just involved in the financing of it, if that makes sense. Okay. But like right, yeah. right, now, right now, if you take out a mortgage with Wells Fargo, they, they have no real say in, in what type of home you're buying or whatnot, just as long as it's valued where, um, where they're financing it. Yeah, and, and as far as actual approval, like for the actual single-family homes, um, we're, we're only releasing it in a few key states and a few key cities. Um, you know, nothing like rural, nothing like in the Midwest or anything like that quite yet. Um, but it'll, it'll be kind of in more strategic areas where you're kind of searching. You know, if you're trying to apply for a loan, you kind of live in Kansas, likely you won't get a Thea Petra loan anytime soon, right? So it, it's going to be purely... Um, you know, California, Arizona, Nevada, and Florida for now. And it has to be also in a few key areas of that state too. So there is some limitations there, especially for the beginning, um, you know, just as more strategic way. But as we kind of, you know, if we end up kind of scaling and kind of going deeper, then we could always unwind it a little bit more and kind of open up more areas. 
Awesome. Uh, if that clarifies your question, Longstreet, I will move on to Annie, or if she's not here, Annie, are you there? No. Uh, uh, Gil? Gil part? Can I follow up? Uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. If someone intended to do short-term rentals, like they wanted to have a place for to put out on Airbnb, that's a that's a green light. What what's your timeline on on those kinds of properties? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we kind of set the rules on that. I personally, I'm a big fan of. I I would rather get this product out to middle class families and, and first time home buyers. I really don't want to push it out to more investors, kind of optimizing their cash flow. Personally, um, this will be kind of more of a governance thing uh, as far as who do we restrict the product to. You know, we don't want to be act like we don't we don't want to act like Big Brother and and, and say that you can't do certain activities, but. I would really try to love to avoid any sort of investment grade for at least quite a while. I'd rather get it to the middle class family or first time home buyer that's that's really kind of looking to optimize their home buying process. So I I would love to kind of not allow rentals or, or Airbnbs anytime soon. Um, but you know, that's gonna be ultimately kind of up to governance on, on that element. That's great. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, uh thanks Long Street. Uh Gil? Gil part party of seven, you there? Yeah, hey guys, thanks so much for uh, meeting this project and um, I'm not sure if uh, you guys covered this, but my question is, uh, I mean, everything you guys have talked about so far regarding what you're gonna offer to home buyers and, and so forth, it sounded great. I'm more um, looking at this as, you know, the board member and or the long-term investor in the project side. What are your what are your plans in terms of you know the rewards? I know you guys talked about like the own protocols and the climate and stuff. I mean they do rebase scenarios and things like that. What are your guys' plans for those long term you know company investors or the people that are going to sorry you, you put up there. The, can you hear me now? Sorry, you, you, you cut, for at least for me, sorry, you cut out there last like 10 seconds. I, I apologize. You cut out there, at least for me. I wasn't sure if it was for everybody or not. Can, can you now. guys hear me now? Okay, yeah. so the, the biggest question is, uh, you know, what is, the, what is the big plan for the long-term investors or the, the board members and, and so forth uh, in terms, I mean, for me, this, this is a project that I'd be looking at, you know, for a long-term thing uh, in terms of being in the real estate property game without actually, uh, you know, going too crazy with spending my personal capital. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's kind of the, the, the vision of, of Theopetra in a nutshell is it's definitely a long-term play. You know, it's, it's not a it's not a short-term bet by any means. So as far as long-term sustainability, I, I think just being as brutally transparent as we can with our community and, and ensuring that there is community participation for the long-term, um, is the only way to go. And I, I think that'll be the only way to go for any real estate protocol ever. So um, if you're kind of asking about kind of more longer-term sustainability on that end, um, I, I think not, it's going to be purely not, kind of setting that expectation. Not so much the, the sustainability. I was more um, in terms of the reward basis for your long-term sustainability and, you know, obviously trying not to have you know, people buy the token and then dump and, and things like that. What are, you know, are the board members uh, uh, being, you know, invested big, like large stakeholders or whales or whatever you want to call it, um, 
what what are the plans and the rewards for all of these people that are going to support your treasury? Oh, yes, yes. Great question. So we are going to be releasing our actual tokenomic structure, and we're going to be actually discussing that within the next couple of weeks on, you know, is this sustainable for the next 10, 15 years as far as ensuring that people are rewarded sufficiently for longer-term participation? I do think, of course, just like anything else, people will come and go. I, I think that'll happen. Um, so I think just allotting enough token supply for that to ensure that there's constant um, kind of talent being recruited into the protocol, I think is fairly critical. So uh, right now we are bringing in 3,000 real estate professionals. So um, kind of a little bit of a kind of advertisement here. You know, if anybody's in the real estate space, um, acquisitions managers, agents, underwriters, mortgage brokers, um, it helps us because it keeps us from sustaining within an echo chamber. You know, anybody can kind of call out if there's anything potentially wrong. Um, but at the same time, kind of keeps our doors open as far as from the longer-term sustainability. So um, I think keeping a very significant part of our supply to purely community is key. Um, we are trying not to bring in any venture capital investors to dilute the supply. Um, so far, we're, we might be able to accomplish that. So, so that way, we're not bringing in any people that are not on the longer-term kind of vision you know, on, on that end. So we're doing everything we possibly can as far as sustainability long-term. And then as far as the interest rates, I mean, of course, it will die down over time. But the longer-term kind of vision here is that it's just pure real estate kind of diversification for people in DeFi that they can kind of um, at least gain some form of exposure to uh, uh, in some form of capacity. Because you know, we're trying to kind of eliminate the need to buy real estate yourself. You're just kind of gaining the benefits on-chain. And, okay, so what what do you guys, I mean, I, I, maybe you don't know yet, um, what are your thoughts in terms of the benefits for those stakeholders or long-term investors or, you know, the people that are supplying the capital for your initial treasury to go out and purchase the actual property? Yeah, so, I mean, to be a truly sovereign individual, in my opinion, you should be able to tap into, tap into like, a more sovereign real estate network. Um, so the, the, the beauty is as we kind of scale out further and let's say, for example, we get really safe long term and we end up buying, you know, more shorter term rentals, um, you know, slightly kind of quote unquote riskier properties over time. If we kind of stabilize, um, people can get access to properties, get discounts, you know, there's definitely going to be benefits we can integrate into the assets, um, on, on that end of it as well. So people can actually get, you know, discounts on rentals, they can gain, you know, tax benefits, they can refinance against their assets. Um, we're trying to incorporate as many use cases in the real world because the beauty is it is a real world product. So um, it's almost like a loyalty award membership, I guess, long term as far as um, benefits on, on that end of it as well. But of course, in the beginning, it's purely A-class properties, B-class properties only as kind of like a, imagine that as like our bedrock layer, but over time, um, the benefits do increase if we end up going into the more short-term rental markets, um, Airbnbs, you know, hotels, etc. But, you know, full disclaimer, that's, that's of course, further down the roadmap, you know, as far as that goes. Okay, so I guess, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'm, if I'm putting it out there, the question in the right way, but let's say, let's say I take $100,000 of my money and I want to invest it into the Theo protocol. Mm -hmm. And I want to provide that capital liquidity for Theo. What what are my expectations as that investor in terms of you know a five a ten year? What, what am I looking at in terms of you know how uh, me putting that kind of capital into the treasury 
uh, in returns? What, do you guys have any expectations on percentage returns, anything like that? Oh, got it. That, that's your, kind of your question. Yeah, I mean, we really can't guarantee any, any promise, right? I, I think any protocol that, that does guarantee returns, I, I think, is, is, is lying. I mean, it's the, the POL model, if you look at Olympus, you know, and, and the kind of standard, the, the interest rates kind of going across the POL models, they're relatively high. Um, they're relatively new. They've only been around for six or seven months. So I wish I could tell you what, what is the long-term benefit, but it's even hard to tell with something like Bitcoin, right? Like it's, it's very, very hard to give any kind of solidified answers on that. So um, as far as benefits, as far as price return, I, we really, just from, a, just from a legal standpoint, I can't, but also from a honesty standpoint, I don't think anybody truly can. Okay, perfect. Well, I appreciate the honesty and uh, look forward to reading the white paper and seeing everything that comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, guys. And, and uh, take the, the Medium article that just came out a couple days ago. That would be a good read for you. Get the uh, get the rundown. Thanks, Gil, uh, Gil Party. Yeah, Gil Party. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, Annie, if you're there. Uh, no, Annie, if not, uh, Mighty, M, exclamation, D-E. Mighty, you there? Coffee cup? Yes, sir. Cool. How's it going? Hey, how you doing? How you doing, guys? Um, thank you for the spaces. Um, it's pretty amazing what you guys are doing. Um, thank you. The structure you're trying to you know, accomplish is pretty amazing. Um, I like the game zero behind it, and I think it can work. Um, it's going to take a little bit of work, but I think it can work. I have a couple questions now. Um, first, is there, are you guys looking into um, bringing developers in? like um, maybe commercial developers or single family home. Are you ever trying to go to like um, um, apartment development, like, you know, moving away from single family units and getting to develop up, um, apartment complexes and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's going to be optionality for the future. Um, but I, I think short term, it just takes quite a bit of time. There's a lot of maintenance kind of involved with, with developing and actually building properties. Um, so, so nothing in the plans quite yet for actually building. I mean, the, the beauty of something like this is maybe in the future, you know, um, if, if the protocol kind of decided to. But I, I think for at least the medium term to, to you know, I would say that within the next like two to three years, likely not. Um, it'll likely just be purely acquisitions, and there's there's no shortage of, of land and properties to buy. So um, I, I don't see the need to spend a few years to actually build out. Um, okay. Um, then, uh, like a snowball is another question. Um, yeah, you guys, you um, can is is. Uh, um, are you guys looking into you know going? away from single properties and regular, you know, to other parts, like maybe storage units or warehouses and stuff like that. I'm not talking about right now, though. I'm talking about in the future, maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years, you know, stuff like that. Like basically, yeah, I mean, your, like, what are your 10-year goals, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, technically it could be any property in the world that we can just collateralize against. So it could be any form of, of property, uh, retail, office, um, you know, pretty much any, you know, building. You could do single family homes, land. The, the, the use cases is fairly, fairly big. Um, I, I think our biggest, you know, thing to overcome is... Hey, I think you're cutting out, and, um... Oh, sorry. Is it can good you now? repeat that? I think you're cutting out, or at least yes. on my side. Is it good now? 
No, you're not calling now. I can, I can hear you. I think you can. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I definitely think long term, you know, the, the division kind of long term, 10 years plus, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I could see it, you know, slowly venturing into the more shorter term market play. Um, you know, I already confirmed with developers, you can do some pretty cool things with, with the staked asset with like a, um, you know, you could essentially tie in a Bluetooth function into your staked asset and quite literally use that as your deposit for short term rentals. Um, and you can quite literally open the door with your staked assets with a Bluetooth function as well. And it's fairly more trustless, you know, from a short-term rental perspective because your deposit is on hand. If you damage anything, we can take your assets. So there's a lot of interesting use cases. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is just getting to enough scale long-term to kind of unlock those use cases, I think is the biggest challenge of real estate. But, um, you know, but absolutely, you know, long-term, long um, any type of property anywhere in the world potentially but I, I think in the short term, up to five years, likely purely U.S. and, and kind of staying pretty strict and and uh, diligent. All right, man. Thank you very much. I will go down to listen and to make space for other people. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. No worries. It's uh, the rising tide lifts all Theopatra boats. And I think we got. Bowtie Beagle jumped in here. Beagle, you there? Beagle? No? Uh, any any remaining questions, comments from the audience? We've been going. Anon, you've been going for like two hours firing away. <laughs> this is, uh, I love it. This is my seventh call today. All right, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Beagle. Uh, any, any remaining questions, comments from the audience? We've been going, and uh, you've been going for like two hours, firing away. This is, uh, I love it. Oh, you're this is my All right, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Legal. Uh, oh. Any remaining questions, comments from the audience? Sorry, that's really delayed. And uh, you've been going for like two hours. Hey, Beagle, you're, you're echoing this. Uh, love it. Okay, so my question is, I'm wondering if you guys already have partners in place who are going to be underwriting these loans, um, you know, per FHA guidelines, or if you're going to be trying to do that in-house? Oh, yes. Um, so as far as actual underwriting, that's going to be for sure third party. Um, that's going to go out to like third parties, uh, third party partners, and that's going to actually be tied into the, sorry, I'm trying to do that in-house. Oh, yes. Um, so as far as Beagle, would you mind muting yourself? Sorry. <laughs> anyway, I think he's good now. I think it was coming from RAM, actually. I think it was RAM. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as actual underwriting, uh, we, we can actually just tap into the existing infrastructure that's out there already. So there's a lot of third-party underwriting companies and third-party uh, underwriters we can just contract. And the buyers would actually pay for the underwriter. It's a very standard practice in um, the loan procedure where the buyer pays what's called the underwriting fee. So uh, none of that would be done in-house. We would just kind of contract that out. 
and they would provide us with the documentation of the buyer's qualifications. And you know, we can vote if we want to post that on the Petra website. Um, you know, maybe block out sensitive information and just kind of show the community they're very qualified, or we can keep it private. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely have quite a bit of options on, on that end too. Cool. Uh, Beagle, thanks for, uh, thanks for stepping up. It's a good point to make. I think we got someone just messaged me, uh, someone in the title industry, but I'm not sure if that person is in these spaces. Uh, other than that though, uh, well, I mean, Anon chime in here, if it makes sense to wrap up soon, uh, there will be more, more spaces, ideally, uh, at least a weekly, uh, sit down and engage, answer questions and, and keep the Twitter community updated with what's going on with, with Theopatra as we evolve and grow and drink from the fire hose. Uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll call it quit soon as we have been going for a couple hours. And and I might be more than a couple drinks in. <laughs> um, yeah, no, thank you guys for, for hopping in. And, and, and like I said, I mean, we're, we're trying to onboard as much talent into Theopetra as we humanely can. So. Um, you know, very similar to, I, I think what Ethereum did brilliantly was they, they onboarded the developers or maybe the developers just kind of naturally got attracted to Ethereum. But I would love for the same kind of thing to happen with Theopetra where we're just hyper-optimizing and just bringing in talent. And um, ideally, if there's anything ever wrong, we can, we can kind of call each other out or kind of fix things um, and just kind of improve together as like an open source network almost instead of a closed echo chamber, which I think is, is fairly dangerous. So... Um, you know, if anybody here, like I said, if you guys want to hop in at Theopetra, engage with us, DM us. Um, we're trying to figure out some DMing so solutions so we can get back to everybody within an hour, um, you know, on, on that end. But I would love to onboard you guys if you're in the real estate space. If you're not, um, I appreciate your communication and, and participation. And um, the reason we're doing the VIP round invites is it, it, it helps us grow, um, but at the same time, it, it kind of shows, you know, who's kind of engaged as well. So, um, you know, I, I hope you can see we're optimizing for security and optimizing for quality here. So um, if anybody here wants to hop in, always happy to have you. And, um, you know, ODM me, let's chat, you know, message me on Twitter, why not as well. So always happy to chat, guys. Appreciate you again. Absolutely. Thanks, Anon. Thanks, everyone who's interested in, in hopefully supporting the Theo mission. There will be a, a, a spaces in the next week. Not sure if we'll do it after the NFT launch or before, but stay tuned, read the white papers, read the, read the mediums, and follow Theopatra, R-E-C-T. Hey, oh, uh, actually, we got a quick question, Anon. Uh, this, this title industry professional who reached out to me, Bowtied, Screw J. Yeah, hey, how you doing enough? Real quick. Uh, uh, title professional here. So I have a couple questions. First off, I'm a huge fan. Uh, as somebody who's worked in the title industry and the real estate industry now for seven years, it's vast, it vastly needs overhaul for sure. Um, you know, speaking as somebody from a title from the title world, I just want everybody here to know literally for 90% of the United States, when you start a real estate transaction and you need to go research title deeds, there is somebody who goes to a shelf and pulls down a giant, bit, a giant book larger than your coffee table and flips the pages. <laughs> right, so that's still how most of the world is doing it. So I am a fan. Um, I, I want to support this project, but I have some questions because I haven't heard any title people yet. 
you mentioned doing title in California. I don't mind doxing myself or doing real estate in California. I don't mind doxing myself a little bit. I'm in California as a title professional. So I have just a, just a few questions and, and uh, just, I, I know they're going to be hard questions, but just understand they're coming from a place of somebody who really wants to support the project. So you mentioned uh, being more or less decentralized or operating like a DAP. My question to you is, is when Theopetra is out there acquiring properties, you have to comply with FinCEN, which means anybody behind the project or in the organization has to disclose. You will be doxing yourself. So in order to meet FinCEN requirements, you have to submit those forms, and those people will be put into, um, you know, they're, they're, they'll be doxed at that point. There's, I, I don't see a workaround around that, and, and, and this is, this falls under like the quote-unquote beneficial ownership portions of FinCEN regulations. Now, when it comes to the voting aspect, and if we just tie, I just want to kind of loop my questions into each other with this. If we're talking about voting, and we're talking about an organization that's going to be out there acquiring these properties on behalf of everybody that's involved in the project, don't you think or don't you believe it would be in the best interest of the program or the protocol on the whole for any board member or any um, it's just limited the board member to be a part of the organization that's actually doing the acquisitions. But at that point, you have to submit to FinCEN regulations, which is going to dox you. Yeah, that, that's definitely a great question. And that's something I was actually bringing up um, as well. I, to be honest, I'm not opposed to getting doxed if, if that's in the best interest of Thea Petra as well. Um, and then, you know, ideally finding some sort of solution workaround um, as far as from a title perspective, I think would be ideal, right? So, um, you know, maybe incurring with legal counsel to kind of hop on board as well and they kind of act on behalf of the board or, you know, I'm docs and it's, it's a combination of me and legal counsel and maybe a few key uh, board members that are also docs. I think there's a combination and I actually love that you brought up that question. I, to be honest, I'd love to actually iron that out um, in a more solidified way before the token launches on, on that end as well. Um, I think that is something that needs to be um, rather solved for in the space. Yeah. So okay. So with with that understanding, like, I, and again, I, I I was under a different Twitter. I would love to be a part of the project. I am a fan. I, I don't like the real estate industry as it is. I want to be involved in it. So my question to you is, is that what is the protocol? We're, we're thinking long term. I think understanding these things at some point with what we're doing, the only way for the industry to change on the whole is to get into some kind of legal battle. Like, what is yes. the protocol's approach to this? Like, how are we feeling? Like, I mean, like, the, the, that's the only way to beat these kinds of things. Because, unfortunately, uh, FinCEN regulations will never truly allow us to be decentralized. And that's going to require a fight at some point, at some time. Yeah, no, I 100% I, I agree. I, I think if, if the Petra hits any moment of scale, there, there's absolutely going to be a pinnacle of... Um, you know, kind of altercation, absolutely, you know, especially as we kind of acquire more properties. So the, the way I was kind of envisioning it originally was it's a decentralized entity, and but on the forefront, it's kind of a centralized entity from the government's kind of perspective, where it's either a nonprofit or a for-profit corporation kind of acquiring these. Um, so I think right now we need to kind of play within the rules, but um, figuring out solutions to kind of do so, I think, is critical. But I, I actually 100% agree with you. I, I do think there will be some sort of, eventually, some sort of um, collision, right? Where, where, right. And I, I think that's almost necessary for there to be any significant change. So 
hopefully people can see that it's more of a positive change than, than anything else, and that's going that's going to be our best bet, you know, as far as that goes. Now, now here's my follow up, and this is really kind of like the big question that I've had this whole time is. Even though I don't think as of right now, because of the way regulations are, tokenomics or tokens or all this stuff isn't technically a security, and Theo, by and large, doesn't really qualify as a financial institution, but you're still going to get hit with some of those beneficial owner, especially if you're going to be doing cash purchases, FinCEN, are you or, or, or the people behind the entity that are going to be doing the purchases actually just going to get out front and file their FinCEN forms before you even take it? to your before tokens and even any releases happen period yeah i mean as far as the ones actually signing you know i i was i was originally going to propose just a a set of legal counsel kind of doing a poa and they were going to be signing off on behalf of the actual board and we have some sort of agreement with them that they're the actual entities on there um that's definitely something i think that needs to be solved for and i, I would actually love to onboard you and and, and kind of ideally figure something out on, on that end of it as well. Um, I think that is a critical component. Um, I think that does need to be accounted for and, and definitely figured out. Yeah, I would love to be a part of it. I, I really would, uh, and just to have that discussion because I think there's a lot of key portions here, and I think that as, I haven't heard any other title professionals here yet. So I may be the first one. I doubt I'm the first one. But um, and then my my, my follow-up to this, and this is again unrelated but important. And again, I just want to preface my question with the understanding that, like, look, I I don't like my industry. I wanna I wanna change it, but these are important questions. So a lot of people are talking about in the event that Theo loses, buyers assuming the loans. So my question is, is that you inferred that they still have to go through the FHA process, but it sounds like it's a post-close, like almost like a financial agreement that takes place post-close between the quote-unquote lessor and Thea Petra, which means you may be running them through the kind of, um, you know, the qualification, like the qualification process. But the reality of it is, is that they're never actually going to cross in front of like the end lender. They're not. They're not. So in order for them to quote unquote qualify for the loan, unless if there's already a pre-established agreement between whatever body of loan like lenders Theo Petra is getting their loan from, saying like, hey, we have lessors behind this, whatever, will you accept them as like? I, I, again, these are lender questions. But my my point is, is that if Theo fails, like. To really, ultimately, that that lessor would essentially have to requalify for that loan, right? Yeah, and I, I think that is a. I, I actually agree with that. I think that would be a relative kind of flaw. I think the better solution maybe agreeing to, with them on some kind of conclusion of maybe seller financing, um, giving right. them like you know favorable kind of seller financing terms where it's like, hey, on paper here are you know now we're actually just going to completely give you the property, assuming you make X amount of payments over X amount of years. On, on that end of it, right? So I, I think I think right. the solution might be seller financing, or you know, B, which is kind of more inferior in my opinion, which is B, having them just kind of flat out buy it. Okay, okay, and then and, and then again, following up on this, at any point in time, since Thea Petra is technically the the, the the record owner on title, right? They don't ever at any point in time ever, depending on what the lease agreement states. They don't ever have to come to the person who's the party in possession of the home if, if Thea Petra ever wants to refinance or tranche that residential loan into a commercial purchase, like think big jumbo loan, like fixture filing to acquire a large commercial property. Thea Petra technically 
whether it's through POA or other representative bodies, could actually tranche the residential loans into a commercial purchase without the lessor ever really knowing. Is that, does that sound about right? Is that possible based on yeah. how you can structure it? Yeah, I mean, the, the beauty here is we get to control the debt on the asset itself. So we can do, just do any combination of the above, right? Where we can either tranche it, we can figure out um, back-end buyers. Like, there's a lot of kind of benefits here where we can kind of do whatever we think is the most optimal at that time. So um, it, it kind of opens up the possibilities for us on, on that end of it as we kind of control the debt in the asset itself. Right. And so, my, my, I, again, I, I love all of this, and I guess it really just boils down to however you guys are going to structure it. You know, I mean, they're, they're, obviously, for some of the other industry professionals here, I'm sure maybe some of the things I'm pointing out are scary, but it doesn't have to be scary as long as it's set up correctly. That, those were kind of like the big things. And I think that's why, like, board members, and this is just, uh, just one last suggestion. I'm done, I promise. The one thing that I would love to see, is board members specifically, right? If somebody, I'm talking about their heart and souls in the project because here's the deal. I, I, I'm in full agreement the real estate industry needs to change, but I want to see some skin in the game. And if board members were ever to be made a part of the purchasing or beneficial owner body, right, that would signal to me then at that point because they would have no choice but to dox themselves because essentially at this point the, the only entity that matters is the Petra. So ultimately at the end of the day, in the event of a collapse, voting means nothing legally. But if the if 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 the board members themselves have skin in the game and are you know conforming to FinCEN regulations, well then at that point we know who everybody is and everybody's much safer off. But again, Everything comes down to just structuring it. I love it, guys. I really am excited for the project. I am a proponent, but I just would love to get involved a bit more and help flesh out some of these other ideas and talk with other professionals to see how we can actually really affect change. Absolutely. You know, I, I love, I love the, the value added and definitely the feedback, too. And, you know, my, I think the, the most humbling thing is if we could ever get people that are in the industry on board as well and that they kind of see the value there. I, I think it will be real estate professionals first kind of seeing the value in it and then possibly bankers and then finally DeFi guys and then, you know, the public. So um, I 100% I agree. I, I would love to um, actually get you on board and actually answer these tougher questions. And that's, that's exactly the format that we have too, where it's, we just kind of sit and pause and we just kind of try to figure out and flush out any things that, you know, that, that might be potentially kind of issues just because real estate over itself is so broad uh, where it goes into legal tag. There's so many buckets um, where one person just simply cannot know all the answers. It's just physically impossible. So that's that's super critical. And I think you would be the only title professional in actually Fiat Petra as well um, so that, that we can kind of ask more kind of critical questions. So absolutely, I'll, I'll actually um, get you added tonight and I'll look sure. at these yeah, things and figure things out. So. Eight out of yeah, every seven PM. So Scrub J, after this, just check the Discord link and you should be good to go. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> There's Kronos. He's like the... the, the he like he just hops on everything immediately. He's he's freaking nuts. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Scrub Jay. We bring value, guys. Any any questions? I mean, like I said, this is real quick. I mean, as a title professional, I work uh, in title production, so I mean, I, I I I do underwriting light, so to speak. You know, so you know things cross my desk, and I make underwriting decisions based on insurability. So I'm just I know a lot about. I'm more of a generalist, but from the title side of things, I can just see some potential hurdles that will need to overcome and then I would love to be involved. Fantastic. No, I, I love that. Um, and you know, we're, we're only as good as our, as our, you know, big blind spots. So that, that's, that's super helpful. Cool. Uh, 
All right, I think they'll, uh, we'll, we'll call it a night here. Scrub J, take a look at Propy Coin, P-R-O-P-Y. Uh, they're trying to put title, real estate titles on the blockchain, but that's a whole other tangent. Um, yeah, if not further ado, no more questions. Uh, I think that'll be a wrap after a solid first Theopatra Spaces in two and a half hours and 200 plus uh, people joining in and looking to do another Spaces on Sunday, December 12th uh, to rev up for the NFT launch, which is on the 13th. Uh, and on any any parting uh, comments? No, that's that's Sorry. pretty much it, guys. I, I appreciate you. I know it's a it's a lot of information. You know, like I tell everybody, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. So. Uh, there is a big learning curve in, in this space, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still learning every day as well, and I've, I've been in this space for a while, so um, I, I appreciate all you guys, and um, you know, I'm, we're, we're going to have a ton of content kind of coming out, and uh, a lot of clarifications on the assets and um, developments, and, and, and kind of watching this thing unravel. So, um, you know, as of right now, no, no token release until about May. We are doing an NFT launch just to bootstrap the protocol. Um, you know, and we're also going to use excess funds to actually, you know, give it back out to military or the, you know, the police force. Uh, we have a couple of people kind of fronting that end of it uh, if there's any excess funds. But yeah. that's it for now. So. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, uh, cartoon animals and whoever the hell you are, uh, have a good night. Thanks for jumping in and hopefully see you on the 12th. Cool. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Thanks. Good night.